Speaking at a political conference, former uh, national security advisor to the president of the United States, Michael Flynn, was asked about a Myanmar-style coup happening in the U.S. Why couldn't it happen? He says there's nothing stopping it, and it should happen, which the best way I can see it is him calling for a military coup, saying it should happen here in the United States. For those that aren't familiar, there was there were claims of election fraud by the military in Myanmar, so they intervened. And uh, people started clapping and cheering for this. And it's worrying because I look, I often say this. It doesn't matter what you personally, what, what, what I personally believe or what anyone really personally believes. It matters what the factions believe and how many there are, because there are people that completely agree with Michael Flynn. There are people that completely disagree and we're not going to persuade them. So this is it. I mean, the fracture is here and it's going to get, uh, I don't know, I think I think the escalation is going to get worrisome as it is. We've got a bunch of stories about riots. Portland seems to be on fire every day anyway. And so we're going to be hanging out and uh, spending this Memorial Day with retired Green Beret Joe Kent, who's running for office as an America First candidate in Washington's third district, I believe, correct? That's right. Just north of Portland. Yep. In the, in the, this is the battleground, right? Literally, literally yeah. That's do you want to just uh, give a brief introduction to who you are, what you do? Sure, absolutely. Uh, Joe Kent, I was in the Army for a little bit over 20 years, um, was a Green Beret, started out uh, as enlisted guy in Ranger Regiment, worked my way into Special Forces. So I joined just before 9 11, was kind of born and raised actually in Portland, Oregon itself. Um, and Portland was much different 20 plus years ago than it is today. So, wow. Uh, enlisted in the army in 98 um, and then was in special operations already when 9-11 happened and so that kind of set the next you know 15-16 years of my life on the on the war path literally so I spent uh, a good deal of time overseas primarily in Iraq uh, some time in Yemen and some time in Africa as well uh, retired and then went into a uh, working in the CIA for about uh, about a year um, and then had to resign after my late wife was was killed herself in Syria so she was a in the military, she was a Navy uh, cryptological officer working uh, with special operations. So she was killed uh, about a month after Trump tried to get our troops out of Syria the first wow. time. So that kind of propelled me into the, the political realm, despite all the grief I was going through. I, I strongly supported President Trump's uh, foreign policy, especially getting us out of the endless wars. We had to go defeat the territorial caliphate to take away the ground that ISIS controlled because of the existential threat they posed to the rest of the world. But once that was done, we had to get out as soon as possible because there's nothing for us in that area. So the way that the permanent ruling class and the government turned against Trump and the way the media got in lockstep to like paint it like Trump didn't know what he was doing. He was just this big, savage, careless man who was going to pretty much upset the world liberal, the, the liberal world order by ending a war. That really inspired me to start speaking out. It's uh, it's Memorial Day. I would say I think people, but I'm going to say I know people don't know or care about what today is like we saw with Kamala Harris. It's a long weekend, but yeah. uh, I sincerely mean it, man. Thanks for, for everything you did. Thanks for serving Thank and for your sacrifices and to your, your wife for you know what she was what she did for this country and what she did to end. I mean, just the, the atrocities, like, like you said, man, ISIS was yeah. as bad as it gets. And there's a lot of things that the United States has done, which has contributed to the expansion of extremists. We've had some pretty bad presidents, oh, yeah. which is why I think talking with you about America First would be uh, is going to be great. I mean, I, I was giving a, a, an example like the Fast and the Furious program, which gives yeah. guns to the cartels. We gotta we gotta do something about this, man. We gotta stop this stuff. But uh, sincerely, man, thank you very Memorial much. Memorial Day. I mean, thanks for being here. So we're we'll, we'll we'll get into all this stuff. It's going to be a, a good conversation. We got Ian. Well, hello, everyone. Ian Crossland over here. Good to see you, Joe. Thank you. Looking good forward to, to hearing more about your uh, your experience the last couple decades. Yeah. 
Give me and good. Lydia in the corner pushing buttons. I am decked out very patriotically. I intentionally wore red, white, and blue today. I was feeling very um, patriotic. So hopefully this will be a good conversation. I'm really excited. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com. Become a member to get access to our exclusive members area. Just click the big blue members only button. You can sign up. And we're going to have a bonus segment later tonight around 11 p.m. is usually when it goes up. When you become a member, you are helping us expand the company. It's, you know, we're not going to go and buy Ferraris. We're going to use your membership, the, the money that comes in. We're using it to fund this work. We're using it to expand. We want to hire more journalists. We want to create better shows. We want to build culture. And that's what you do. So it's supporting the cause. It's supporting our um, this company here and what we do. But if you really do like the show and you really care about these kind of conversations, then please share the link to this video. Click the URL, click share, do whatever you got to do, because we don't have the marketing budget of these big media companies. It's just you guys. You guys be the marketing branch, and then people can hear these conversations, and maybe some people will learn about what Memorial Day means. So uh, without further ado, let's just we'll, we'll just we'll just jump right into it, and um, I'll just I'll just ask you, man. Let's just start talking about your your, your campaign. You're running for you're running as a Republican, but you're running yeah. as an America First candidate. Yep. What does that What does that mean? So America First, I'm running against a sitting Republican, Jamie Hura Butler. She voted for the impeachment of President Trump. That was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. But prior to that, she had been a pretty horrible representative and pretty horrible Republican as well. So she voted to uh, withdraw the funding to construct the border wall, the additional emergency funding that President Trump was using to secure our southern border. She voted in support of Obamacare. She voted for the war. She voted to keep our troops in Syria. Um, She went along with the whole Russian bounties in Afghanistan lie from last year. So in every sense of the form, um, she is exactly what we need to get rid of in Washington, a career politician. A Democrat? A Democrat, exactly. Yeah, a Democrat. So it's, it's the weirdest thing to me. I mean, yeah. why would someone run as a Republican but clearly be a Democrat? I think she just had blind hatred of Trump. She's been very uh, outspoken about that. Uh, in 2016, she said that she penciled in Paul Ryan because she couldn't vote for President Trump. And then she kind of got quiet when Trump started to actually make progress. Uh, but then every key time that she could have stood stood strong and actually worked in the Congress to push through some of President Trump's key agenda items that he was elected by the American people for and that she rode his coattails into office on yeah. – she folded every single time. She fell to the old D.C. mainstream media Lincoln Project narrative because it's easier to do, I think, in D.C. When you're disconnected from your people, it's much easier just to fall in with what the mainstream media pushes you. So you're a is – it, is it fair to say you're an anti-war kind of guy? I am. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I am not a isolationist. I think we need to have a robust, strong military. We need to have – robust uh, intelligence capabilities throughout the world to keep us aware of what's going on so we can eliminate threats before they become a, a, you know, a, a major crisis. But these endless wars, the way that we have uh, really gone and done regime change wars and then not course corrected the times where we've really messed up, which has been the entire global war on terror, um, I'm very much against those. What was it like? Like, How did you kind of, I don't know if rectify the right word, but how did you come to grips in com- terms of the personally like serving over there and thinking about that, that, yeah. that maybe you were there or that the U.S. was there for nefarious purposes. I don't know how you think about it. Yeah. Um, I, I think at uh, – well, when I first joined the military, I just wanted to go fight for my country, you know, very young, patriotic. Seeing the 1993 Black Hawk Down moment when I was 13, that uh, that was 
pretty key in my life because you know it was the first time I think we saw like brutal combat actually on TV. Like the Gulf War, there was some television going on then, but actually seeing in '93 CNN uh, filming American soldiers getting drugged to the streets, I was just like, wow, there's wow. guys over fighting real evil, and we're back here in the states just kind of hanging out. So I want to go do that. So and then 9/11 happened. I'd already been in the military for a couple of years, and so we just trained and trained and trained and and hoped that we would someday get our shot because that's what you want to do when you're in the military. You want to go fight for your country. So after 9-11, we thought that we had the most righteous mission ever, um, but we quickly pivoted from that. So for pretty much from the time that bin Laden and crew ran into Pakistan, I mean, George Bush even said in April of 2002 that we changed our mission to nation building and we were going to build these democracies in Afghanistan. And the next thing you know, they're like, guys, we got to invade Iraq. And then they made up all that intelligence. So by the time I got into war um, in Iraq, I was eager to be there, but I, I thought that someone above my level knew more than me. So the first time I went to war, I was, I was 23 years old. I was a sergeant at Green Beret. We were tasked with either going out and, and uh, finding or arresting members of al-Qaeda or Saddam's regime. And then we got tasked with a classic Green Beret mission, which is to build militaries out of local forces. So we took a bunch of the anti-Saddam militias and we started to turn them into the Iraqi security forces. When I was going through some of the rosters of these militiamen, a lot of them had huge ties to Iran. They're Iranian-funded militias. And then I was like, this doesn't seem like a good (laughs) idea because Iran pretty much hates our guts too, you know, knowing just the history of Iran and, and our dealings with them. So, but I, you know, in the back of my head, I was like, surely somebody knows more than me. There's like generals somewhere that have a plan. Did you know the history of Afghanistan and the Mujahideen? Yes. And all that. So, I mean, at a certain point, you're like, wait a minute. Wait a sec. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, put, you put some faith and you think that there's somebody behind the curtain at Oz. Um, and then just watching how we just continued to double and triple down on failure. Like when I was in Iraq, when they, they gave the order to disband the Iraqi uh, government and the Iraqi military and say that all these guys that were associated with the Ba'ath Party couldn't have jobs and all of us that were on there on the ground level we were like this is a terrible idea this would be like going to my the the town that my military base is in and saying hey guys you don't have jobs anymore we're not paying you next month and the government pretty much hates you and we're coming after you but leaving us the keys to the armory <laughs> i mean how do how do you think that's going to go that's basically what we did in iraq so i just saw the narrative slowly get chipped away based on what i was seeing in the ground um well, and then what was it was it contracts the the big companies were getting we're getting money like why stay in there why 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 did it become okay we're not after you know uh, bin laden anymore it's nation building i think a ton of it was hubris i mean just really at the at the highest levels i mean people in the bush administration they really believe in that neoconservative ideology that if we went over especially in a place like iraq because it's centrally located it, it does have the potential to be independent and to be successful and really thrive because it looks good on paper they thought hey if we just apply enough good old american force and a good old american can do like these guys are just going to be like well thanks america let's have an election and yeah, now democracy just kicks in it just kicks in we'll be your we'll be your best <laughs> friends we'll cut you a great oil deal next thing you know you know, we'll be, you know no but none of that actually works so i think People, they just doubled and tripled down on that idea because they were embarrassed. And the, the bipartisan effort that the Iraq war was, going back to our current president, Joe Biden, who was the head of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee at the time, there was bipartisan lying that went on to the American people. So then there became this bipartisan game of like, hey, we're, we're all kind of part of this. And then the, the folks at the top levels of the military, anybody who disagreed with the way the invasion went, they got fired. And so all the yes men got promoted and they just said, hey, we can we can make this work. And, and a lot of them, 
I think probably had the best of intentions. They were like, hey, if, if the U.S. government's going to put this all on our shoulders as the military, we will do the best that we, we can. But at the end of the day, if you tell the military to go do stuff, they're just going to apply military tactics. How long were you uh, in uh, Iraq? So I have about five years total uh, on the ground. I was there pretty much every year of the war, minus 2010, and then I went back again uh, for a withdrawal in 11, and I went back again in the uh, counter-ISIS fight in 16. That's, 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 that was the next question I was going to uh, have for you is, you know, you went back to fight ISIS. Your wife did as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is, this, is a, this is a really different kind of mission, I guess. So after you saw everything with the nation building, what was it like when, you know, ISIS was, was picking up? These people, uh, like the, the caliphate, was 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 truly horrifying. What these people were doing, did did you have a different vision of it? Like all of a sudden now, you're like this one matters. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of it too was I told you so. Uh, not just me, but a lot of us that were that had boots on the ground. And, and when I was there in, in 2011, by by that time, we had pretty much handed the entire government over to the Iranians. The Iranians did a really good job of infiltrating the government of Iraq, so much to the point that. Uh, Iranian generals like Qasem Soleimani felt very safe running around Iraq because they knew that we didn't have the actual political will to take them off the battlefield. Iran saw that they could kill American soldiers under Bush, under Obama, and that we wouldn't do anything. And so they felt emboldened when we left the country. They completely and totally took it over. But when they, as they were doing that, they were disenfranchising, which is, to put it mildly, the entire Sunni population. So especially when the Syrian civil war broke out and Assad was fighting the Sunnis, you could just break it down geographically. As long as there were Sunnis in between the area just to the west of Baghdad and just to the east of Damascus, getting pushed by these two Iranian Shia forces, you had an absolute civil war. So the only means of recourse for these Sunnis was ISIS or Al-Qaeda or some form of Sunni extremists. So really, it, the evolution of ISIS is was pretty much born the day that we invaded Iraq and then disbanded the Iraqi military. And then it's, it's, it's really fascinating how, you know, under Obama, I mean, it, it grows. Yep. Couldn't really do anything to stop it, but uh, Trump just wiped it out right yeah i was there i was there in 16 under obama and the rules it was most deployments in the obama era were we have to be deployed because obama doesn't want to pull us out because he'll look weak but we also really don't want to fight you know the latter part of bush was that way too bush was just done probably like around i don't know 06 or 07 he was just like i'm riding this out you guys are over there uh, and i'll leave it to the next guy to include negotiating deals for the status of forces but Obama, those those last years, it was the same thing. He just he had called ISIS the JV team early on, and then after that, he just did not want to deal with it. Do you think that uh, Obama wanted ISIS because it was causing problems for Assad, and we want Assad, we wanted Assad out, so let ISIS have Adam, and then we'll come and clean up, we'll sweep it up and, and take it once it's done. There was definitely people in his security team, uh, in his national security establishment, that I think did want that. They very much wanted another war in Syria, and I think a lot of them are still in the government right now. So I think that permanent ruling class of neoconservatives and neoliberals who, you know, they, they say different things to justify their wars, but the end, the end state is always more invasions, more occupations. I, I think those guys were pulling the, pulling the strings from behind the scenes. I've, I've had a lot of conversations with people about Trump, the Abraham, Abraham Accords and the conflict. And, uh, you know, on the surface, I think the Abraham Accords did a lot of good, uh, yeah. normalized trade between a lot of countries and Israel. But we've had, we've had people say it was nothing. You know, it was just like these countries were already working together. I disagree with that. I really do think that when it comes to the Israel-Palestine issue, people are very tribal and just yeah. hate one side or the other. And I'm like, look, 
I think Trump was America first all the way. He didn't want to be involved in any of this. He didn't care right. about what it was. He said, what do we do to get to end it? I'm done. Let's get out. Why yeah. are we here? Absolutely. So we actually had, um, I think Scott Horton told us this, right? Where he said within the first three months, Trump ordered a full withdrawal from, from Afghanistan. He like, he gets in office, says, get rid, get him out. We're done. Yeah. And they stopped him. They said, no. Yep. They blocked him. And then we get four years of Trump and then it never happened. Yeah. I mean, it's just that there is that class there in the Pentagon, the national security establishment that they are, I think a lot of them, and I understand this, and this has kind of been my, my uh, story and my trajectory throughout my career. I felt that we needed to continue to stay over there. I felt compelled that, hey, we need to keep going over and fighting because we've lost so much, especially if you're in a leadership position. You're like, we lost these guys in this last deployment. We've got to go back over and we got to make it right. And I don't, I don't just mean like revenge, but we got to go get something. We've, we've given so much. We've got to get something out of this. I want to make it work. And I think there is a lot of that, but I do think there's also a lot of, but then that quickly can shift into pride into hubris really fast when a civilian civilian leadership comes in and says, "Hey, military guys, like this isn't working. What are you doing?" It's like, "Screw you! I've been fighting and dying. Like, what do you mean it isn't working?" So, I, th- I think that's. But there is also a lot of money tied up into that, and a lot of careers, and there's been this whole machinery made to keep us at war. What's that thing called where um, you know people will invest in something? The gam- so sunk costs. Sunk costs. Yeah. yeah. yeah gambler's they, they, fallacy. Yeah. yeah. And the gambler's fallacy. They, they yep. keep putting more and saying, no, no, no. Now is the... We, yeah, I already put in a million. I'm not going to lose it. I'll just yeah. put in another. And we'll get yep. out. We'll get out. We'll dig ourselves out of this hole. And yeah. it's like, at a certain point, man. You got to be honest with yourself at some point. I mean, I really wish that I, I could come here and say, hey, I served for, for 20 years. <laughs> and in the five years I have on the ground in Iraq, like I built this thing and it worked. And we, <laughs> we made the world a better place. I wish I could say that. But at the end of the day... Our job is to win and our job is to do the best that we can for our country. And if we're not being honest and saying at like the halfway point of trying plan A that like, hey, man, plan A sucks. It was my idea. My bad. Let's learn from that and let's shift to something else. But we the government is terrible at that political agendas. But then also, I mean, the military, the occupation mindset and the occupation machinery, it is very lucrative. So now you're uh, you, you said you, you grew up in Portland. I did. Yeah. You're you're running for office in Washington, which is the district just north of the Portland area. Yep. Uh, you're you're back from Middle East conflict. You've seen the the good, the bad. What's your plan? What do you want to do for America? So plan right now is the America First agenda, and the America First agenda to me is taking everything that we are blessed with here in America and producing what we can for our people to secure our country. So a big problem that we have right now, I think, in America is our deficit spending, like we're running the national debt through the roof. And that's not just fiscally bad. I think for a while we've been able to get away with that because America produced things and America was actually a place where we invented and produced things. We've killed off that entire part of our our country under the banner of either on the right, right wing folks are just like, Hey, whatever the market will bear free market, man. If we, if it's better for the market to ship all of our jobs overseas, then it's fine because we get more access to cheap crap at Walmart. And isn't that a great economy? And then the lefties come in and they say, Hey, no, we can't drill for oil because it's bad for the environment. We can't cut down trees because that's bad for the environment. Now we're in this position where we don't produce anything. And China and then all the Gulf Emirates, Japan, all these other countries, they're eventually going to stop buying our debt bonds. And what happens when they stop buying our debt bonds? And if you're China and you have malicious intent towards America, to put it mildly, you stop buying our debt bonds, you could crash our currency. I mean, yep. And yes. that, that so can make 08 look like a there's been There's been concern about the Belt and Road Initiative because oh, yeah. uh, China is basically you know, we, we send them petrodollar because we want them to use and support our system, but then right. they just use it to fund the expansion of 
you know, the, the, their trade routes and, and other yeah. factories, but they earn allegiance from other countries using the money we're giving them. Yep. So we've created this kind of downward spiral for America. Yep. I, I wonder if, if the crash off, you know, is, is, is inevitable. The, the U.S. reserve currency will eventually just not – it won't be the reserve currency anymore, the U.S. dollar. And there's already a lot of people saying that for the past several years it's been the case. You know, hmm. Russia and China have dump, been dumping dollars. They don't they're, – they're not as concerned. Yeah. They're preparing for a shift. And so if we don't get on track, like, with what Trump was doing, bringing the factories back, securing our borders, yeah. getting people in America producing and working, yep. then when that happens, it's going to be worse, as you said, worse than a wait, probably worse than the oh, Great yeah. Depression. Yep. But if we bring our factories back, secure our borders, that's right. start producing again, when that happens, we'll be all right. Yeah, no, I, that, that's exactly it. So all these – everything that we just discussed I think sometimes gets dismissed as, oh, that's just an economic issue. It's not. It's a national security issue. I think we need to be on a war footing with returning production back to our country. So deregulating a lot of these industries that have been gutted by overregulation in my district, heart of timber, and heart of timber country, and that, that whole industry has been gutted over the last couple of decades under the guise of environmentalism. Uh, we've just let these forests absolutely fester. We've killed off a very lucrative logging industry. So I want to start there and start restoring that industry so that we can actually have people stay in our state, graduate high school. They don't have to go to college, take a bunch of student loan debt, um, live in their town, and support a family off of one income. I, I, that was the American dream for a long time. We've been told by the media and the left that those days are over. You can't have that. You need to... Get a, get a college degree at any cost, even if you take a whole bunch of college debt. And then when, you know, I'd say from Gen X on, once we took on the college debt and we got, we moved to a big city, half of those jobs have either been shipped overseas because they are tech jobs or we've had legal immigration come in with the H1B visa system, L1 visa system, and absolutely undercut those as well. Can we do that sustainably, the timbering? Yes, absolutely. We, we totally can. Um, so, so what what, what, is it, what does that mean for you? You, you probably got a lot of environmentalists being like, these guys wants to come in and chop down our forests. Right, exactly. Yeah. So we have to have the government control all the forests. No, I, I mean, it is, it is in the best interest of the companies that would go and harvest the timber to do it responsibly. You know, it, it's not in their best interest whatsoever to go and just clear cut acreage after acreage. I mean, they've these families, these these timber uh, giants, they've been doing this stuff for quite a while. And there's a way to do it. And there's a role for the government, but I don't think the federal government. There's a role for the state government and the local government to have some sort of checks and balances in there. So if you did get a bad actor who, who's like, aha, I'm, I'm going to go clear cut all these forests. <laughs> aha, they'll never catch me, you know, yeah. I, that we do have a, the mechanism to stop them. But having the federal government control half of our state land is just ridiculous. I think back to 2016 watching Hillary versus Trump and you know it, it really felt to me like we were at this we were entering this really dangerous period where the US the, the US superiority was being threatened. Our, we we are yeah. the superpower. We control so much around the world, military bases everywhere. And one thing that we say too much on this show is Thucydides' trap, mm -hmm. which is as a rising economic power supplants the the dominant, there's a war that breaks out. So I think back to 2016 and it seemed like Hillary Clinton's mentality was, we will not stop. We, like, we are facing this, this, this threat to the United States and we will blow up whoever we have to to maintain our position. So when she, when she was questioned about a no-fly zone over Syria and, and she was warned that would lead to war with Russia, she said she didn't care. Right. She was like, so what? Well, you'll go to war with Russia. It has to be done. Trump said, why do we want to go to war with Russia? Right. We don't want to do that. We want to come back and make America great. Yeah. So I've, I viewed Trump as someone who was saying, listen, we shouldn't be doing these things. The crash, if it hits us, we need to be prepared for it. Yes. And if we keep looking externally to just forcing our way to try and maintain this rickety system, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have that long fall. 
we're not going to have the ability to produce medicine, which right. we saw with COVID. Yeah. It's, it's remarkable that when we're in this mass pandemic, no vitamin C, China makes it. Masks, right. China makes it. Yeah. Antibiotics, China makes it. Yeah. That to me was, was really incredible. Yeah. I mean, just look at the lesson that we learned from the masks right there alone. That should have been a wake up call. Yeah. Okay. It was masks and it turned out that it really wasn't that big of a deal. But what if that was something absolutely essential? I mean, China, it was vitamin C. Yeah. Vitamin C. And China's just like, Hey, we don't have it or you're done. Or, or if they want to be a bad actor about it. So. I mean, I, I think the best thing that we could do for our national security is bring back our industry and our production, you know, and energy is a, a huge one. We saw what happened when Biden turned off the Keystone XL pipeline, you know, and now gas prices rise. I mean, Hillary, <laughs> Hillary would complain all day and, and want to go potentially get in wars of Syria over strategically worthless land, like or with wars of Russia to get into a fight over Syria. But at the same time, she lets Syria uh, or sorry, she lets Russia ha- become an oil giant. If right. we if we put U.S. oil back on the market. All those prices go down, and Russia has less money see, to play with. It starts to make sense now. With Syria, they want to run that pipeline, the gas pipeline. Yes. With with Russia, the U.S. shuts down the Keystone Pipeline. The U.S. you know then the colonial hack happens. We we have all these problems. Then Governor Gretchen Whitmer says she wants to shut down this pipeline. Yeah. Well, when you think about it, maybe the issue is they want to maintain the system of the U.S. reserve currency for oil. So take U.S. oil off the market. So that the United States has to spend money on other people's oil, giving them an incentive to keep producing, giving them an incentive to, to stay on the U.S. dollar, right? Wow. Propping up the system that's failing. Yeah. Whereas under Trump, it was energy independence. Yeah. I like the, I like the methodology where we just sell our own oil <laughs> I like the, and produce it, you know? I like the methodology of not regime change wars. Not, and right, exactly. Not going in nation building and right. then being more self-reliant and... It's it's yeah. it's fascinating to me that it's the it's it's the conservatives that are actually arguing for more cooperation at this point, and yeah. it's the Democrats. The whole the whole political ecosystem is like flipped. The yep. neocons were like, we're going to go in and we're going to remove this guy and we're going to build this thing. Right. Now the conservatives are like, no, no, we're not isolationists. We we just want to do our thing and sell and 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 build, and that's that's international cooperation. Right. That's not isolationism. Yeah. So when when they you know smear the populist right as like nationalist authoritarians or yeah. whatever it's like they're the ones saying not to go to war and to make America great yeah. which would require America to negotiate and trade with the rest of the world exactly. in a more peaceful way but somehow these anti-war leftists view Trump as the problem well I shouldn't say all of them because a lot no. of them know how bad Biden and the Democrats yeah. are but now we get Joe Biden and another thing that we've heard is you know Russia's building oil pipelines becoming oil rich and the US is shutting shutting ours down we taking just, away our independence. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. They don't want to drop the system. They want the U.S. reserve currency to be this permanent system. I guess I guess they don't want uh, people in this country working. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a crazy way to go about it because if you want Russia to behave better, just take away some of their money. And you do that by bringing up the price of American oil or putting American oil back on the market. If Americans don't produce anything but the U.S. dollar is the reserve currency, then – we don't have to produce all that much because we can just print money and then we get to buy whatever we want. We don't got to do work. That's that's unhealthy. Yeah, it's like insane. Rolling up your sleeves and doing hard work is is good right. for personal development. Yeah. So I, I I look at you know many of these socialist young people, they they claim to represent workers, but they don't work. They've never worked right. for the most part. Exactly. I don't want to say every single one, but they think you know working at the college library or Starbucks mm-hmm. is a real job. It's like yeah, go lift fifty thousand pounds of luggage working in an airport and watching these you know, exactly or, or or clean a toilet or clear a sewer. Yeah. What what we have now are a lot of people doing menial tasks. They're unhappy with it because there's yep. no purpose to it. But what happens, I guess. Maybe there was some noble cause from some, you know, neocon or neolib where they were like, if we dominate the world, we'll never have to work again. Well, now we have a bunch of gluttonous, entitled individuals who don't yeah. want to work, don't know how to work. 
and think things should be given to them. They've they've grown up in a system that has just given them whatever they wanted. What happens when that falls? Well, yeah, absolutely. You chaos. see, like the rise of ISIS. Like if you look at the Bath Party, you were talking mm-hmm. about earlier in this Lockheed Martin, these, this constant military. They basically disbanded the Iraqi government, the Bath mm-hmm. Party. All these people, I don't know how many thousands, hundreds, thousands. thousands. Became unemployed, right? And they had the access to the military, so they started basically started ISIS. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's a direct paper trail for that, there is. but that's basically what happened. So if they're if this global military industrial complex is doing that to the United States now, and they're causing mass unemployment, that we might see an uprising of some militant wing organization, hence Antifa. Mm-hmm. So they and, and then they could use that as an excuse to start a war against Antifa. Was or, what well, they did against ISIS. Or that just causes massive instability in the U.S. for whatever reason. And like a reason to deploy troops. More money for the machine. There was a, a story in the Wall Street Journal. They said, how to know that inflation is here to stay? And they said, you know, the Fed is saying it's temporary. You know, we, right. have, we have a sudden surge of demand because the, li- the restrictions are being lifted. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. However, what they note is, is really interesting. They said American families are flush with cash. <laughs> Yeah, they've been yeah, getting because of all the stimulus. Right, they've just been yeah. giving people money, but there's nothing to buy. So what right. happens now? Some people couldn't pay their rent. People in big cities were having problems. But what happens to the average family where they're they're give, being given the stimulus and they're just putting it in their account and they're not doing anything with it? We see this all the time in the super chats. People are like, "Hey, here's a super chat from my stimmy." It's like a lot of people weren't sweating that much. They got yeah. this money. Some people said they bought Doge with it. Mm-hmm. Some people were saying, you know, that they were buying Bitcoin or whatever. But so now we're we're hearing that a lot of people have a savings. They have cash. You know what that yeah. means? They don't need jobs. Yep. So McDonald's and these other fast food restaurants yeah. are offering $500, $1,000 sign-on bonuses. Yeah. No one needs the money. Or I shouldn't say no one, but a yeah. lot of people don't. So they don't take the job. Not only that, you can't buy the things you want. That's right. I, I hear every day from my friends, like, man, I've been trying to buy a PS5. I can't get one. If the PS5 doesn't exist, why would someone go get a job to, to, to buy one? You, if right. you can't buy it, you can't buy it. So what do they really want right now? So that means a lot of people who normally would be like, hey, I need to get a job because I really want to get the new PlayStation are going to be like, I don't need to. Yeah. I can live in a van and just sit here. Then you have people who have tons of money in their savings saying, as soon as the PS5 comes out, I can go buy it. Why get a job? I've got money in the, in the bank. The only problem is if you don't work to make stuff, there's no stuff to buy. Exactly. So this seems like either accidentally, maybe it's on purpose. The mass printing of money, which Biden's not going to do another $6 trillion. Yeah. Hyperinflation is here to stay, but it's worse than that. Supply won't come back if no one needs to work. That's and right. if no one needs to work, then nothing gets made. And if nothing gets made, no one buys anything. This, to me, sounds like it is the Great Reset. I think the left, if we let them go unchecked, that's what they want is they want total control. Because like right now, with COVID, they're able to accelerate the program they've been working on for years. They kill off all the industry jobs through overregulation. The right establishment does it, too, at the altar of the free market. And then... Uh, the culture war coming in and saying that everybody must go to college and you don't really want to have a family. You don't really need to uh, get married, have kids and all that whoa, type of whoa. stuff. You, you can't have kids right now. I mean, climate change. Climate, you, yeah, you we we might that. all die. It's irresponsible. Yeah, right? no, yeah. you can't. You so can't. They, they, they want to be able to control people. 
government becomes family, government becomes God, and then now we have the stimulus coming in. COVID just let them fully accelerate, I think, the economic part because then they got the – they had been talking about UBI for a long time, and people were like, we're not going to do UBI, and they kept pushing it, and then they boom, did. it's like, whoa, guys, global pandemic, no one can work. Let's just get them all hooked on free cash, and it's, now it's total it's, control. But it's not UBI. It's IUB. <laughs> yeah. It's indefinite unemployment benefits. Okay, yeah. yeah. So It's even worse. Yeah. It, but it's, it is interesting. Over the past year, and now we're, we're halfway into this year, yeah. people haven't been able to buy all the things they wanted. There's right. been shortages of everything. And they're right. trying, to, trying to condition people that this is the new norm. That, hey, you're just going to go yep. long periods where like you can't work, but we got you. But you're not really going to be able to work hard to get the things that you want because that's not obtainable anymore. You know, I will say, first and foremost, I think it's good if people aren't being driven by material possessions for their self-worth. I think the idea that uh, if people learn how to roll up their sleeves and go chop some wood to heat their homes instead of digging coal and burning stuff, I like that idea. Yeah. But this is not a a conservative problem. I think conservatives, for the most part, know how to chop lumber and take care of themselves. This is a big city liberal problem. They're the ones who are going to be left high and dry. This is. I'll tell you what I find fascinating. All this is happening, whether it's just a natural flow of the system or it's intentional— before COVID, there was this big push on YouTube for van life. Have you seen this mm-hmm. stuff? Yeah. So is it a coincidence that YouTube is promoting all these van life videos? People go on YouTube and they say, hey, ditch your homes. Go live in a van. Quit your job. Yeah. It's like, okay. So you can't own a bunch of stuff. Right. You won't own a bunch of stuff. You'll live in a van. You'll take up less space yep. and humans will spread out. I'm like, I like the idea of van life. I personally love the idea of being self-sufficient and personally responsible yeah. and encouraging these people in cities to do something. So I'm not, I have no problem with, but I do find it very interesting that this narrative emerges. Then we get the whole lockdown thing. Yep. I think when it comes to COVID, the Democrats immediately said, don't let a good crisis go to waste. Oh, absolutely. And, and, I'm, and so I'll clarify too. I'm not saying, you know, what I'm saying specifically is, COVID was exploited by progressives and leftists yeah. for their climate change agenda. What I mean by that is very early on, they weren't on board with, with this idea of like, you know, locking down. Locking down, yeah. They, Fauci was saying, no, go on a cruise, no go, big deal. Then all of a sudden they flipped like, wait a minute, actually, we should shut things down. We should, you know, yeah. pause everything. We should stop travel. Yep. They said Trump was wrong for banning travel. Wait, actually, yeah. I think they realized like, wait a minute, this is very good politically for what we've oh, been yeah. trying to do. Then all of a sudden, a 15-day to stop the spread turned into a year. Still here, year yeah. and a half. Yeah, still in Washington, my state. We're still there. Yeah, yeah because uh, and 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 uh, now vaccine passports. I think we saw it in the New York Times. Yeah. The planet is finally healing because of the lockdowns. Yep, they very much were like, "Can we just keep this thing going as long as possible?" Right, because it serves our agenda. I think they saw that um, a lot of the things that the media and even people on the right said that Trump was crazy for preaching on the campaign trail when he said we can bring back American manufacturing, you know, the, all the economists said, no, those jobs are gone and dead. And there's no way that working class wages can rise. Like that had, that had been the rule of economics for years, but Trump between 2017 and right before COVID came, like working class wages were rising and the economy was doing really, really well. And so they were about a year out from the presidential election. And so, like you said, don't let a good crisis go to waste. Like let's, let's accelerate this. And you can do that when you have the media pretty much a hundred percent on your side. Yeah. CNN particularly. Yeah. Right. The Cuomo brothers. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's, it's remarkable too, because people can make fun of their low ratings all day and night, but they get hundreds of millions of views on YouTube. Yep. YouTube puts them on the front page. Right. You search for this news. CNN comes up. Absolutely. I can do, you know, a two hour interview with you. And then CNN can produce a one-minute clip. And yep. if you search YouTube, what are you going to get? You're going to get the CNN one-minute clip. They were posting yeah. death number, COVID death numbers. I, uh, Project Veritas right, yeah. really blew the lid off of that. It's just 
insidious panic yeah. for views, basically. Yeah, and then Trump sent out the USS Comfort out there, and they refused to use it while you know Cuomo and De Blasio were stuffing well, old people back in old, old folks' homes. You, you, you mentioned that things were going really well under Trump economically. Yeah. It wasn't just wages. A lot of the things the progressives had, had been demanding were naturally occurring, like yes. a four-day work week. Yeah. Several large businesses announced that they yep. were doing four-day four work weeks because they were doing so well. Yeah. Reduced work hours. A lot of businesses announced this. Paid vacations, benefits. All of a sudden, we started seeing businesses be like, we're going to pay more. We're going to do vacations. The economy is doing so well. Yeah. So it's different from an artificial inflated wage increase right. of like the government mandates it or it's required yeah. because of mass spending. Yep. This was legitimately was like the economy was kicking up. Yeah. People were having vacations. People were doing well. I remember when we were starting this show, I went to a furniture place oh, and yeah. I was like, we got to buy furniture for the show. And the lady there was like, 2019 was the best year of my life. Because <laughs> yeah. this was January of 2020. It's like yeah. December, January. We had a guy come out doing landscaping, and he was like, last year was the best year I ever had. So this was genuinely people doing commerce with each other, but that's the yeah. opposite of what a lot of these Democrats wanted. Exactly. They didn't want everyone buying and building more. Right. They want a retraction. Yep. They want people living in vans under Trump. That's right. People were building castles for themselves, figuratively. Like, they're, yeah. they're improving their homes. Right. They were growing their families. Mm-hmm. Things were better than ever. Those but, people are harder to control. You 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 want the I'm I'm the guy that gives you your income. I tell you what little pods you can live in. Like you can't go have any of the resources. I'll give you the resources. That's where the left has just become the authoritarian. The authoritarians. I'll tell you what's funny. We have we have the meme. You know, I will not eat the bugs. I will not live in the pod. Yeah. I think it's funny because I've said on the show numerous times. I don't mind eating bugs if I if I have to because I think. If you're if you're going to be gritty, hardcore survivalist sure. and want to be responsible, yeah. you'll do what you got to do to survive. And I don't mind living in a pod if it's like I'm in the forest. I've got my own little hut that I've built and I'm responsible for yeah. myself. I'm fine with that. Sure. The funny thing is the, the, the city dwelling liberal types have been living in the pod already. Yeah. Like New York's been famous for their cubicle apartments where it's like the kitchen and the, the, the bathroom. Like there's a, there's a toilet in your kitchen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Everything's crammed together. Yep. So. People in the cities have already been living in the pods. Right. Now the news stories are coming out saying, hey, go eat the cicadas. Go go eat the bugs. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the city, people. You live in the country. We got chickens outside. Right, exactly. We, got, we, have, we have farms everywhere out here. You drive up, you walk in, yeah. they got fresh meat. Yep. You live in the city, you might got to eat the bugs. Yep. But so I, I'm like, you know, if they want to do their thing, the only issue is they want everyone to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. They want, they, they, they want right. rules that are based off of a city perspective that will affect literally everybody. Yeah. So then you live in the middle of nowhere and you've got, you know, a cow and you want to, you know, pr- produce some beef. And then you get federal regulators saying you can't. We're putting a hold. So we, we recently went to farms and they, we were told, like, there's a shortage because the USDA or whatever regulatory agency was saying we weren't allowed to, you know, serve up the beef or something. It yeah. was, they were, like, restricting the dates because of COVID. Then you get the gun laws. Yep. They want to make people who live in the middle of nowhere who aren't the problem right. live by the rules of the people in the city who are the problem. Full control. Everything they're doing is, is just geared towards that full control. Because people in, in the country that are self-sufficient or that have their hands on a key lever of the economy, production, like, they're independent. They, they as they say, cling to their gods and their guns, and they build families, and they're kind of hard to go screw with, as opposed to the the guys that live in the pods in the city that are waiting to work on the gig <laughs> the economy or they're, yeah. or they're begging right. for the next tech job, you know? I, th- I think it's funny, too. It's like... It's interesting, like, conservatives are defending liberals in a sense mm-hmm. because they're like, we shouldn't have to do these things. And I'm like, wait, 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 guys, 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 like, if you live in the country and you already know how to source your own food, how to start your own fires, you're proficient with weapons, I understand not the regulation pushing back. But if they want to live in the city and live in pods and eat bugs, hey, just, go for it. Yeah, just let them just, do their thing. You know <laughs> yeah, I mean? yeah. Like, don't, yeah. don't complain. Is They're the ones gonna, who are going to have to do it. The cities are the ones who are going to have to dramatically change. Right. 
you know. Is it like a, a miscalculation by these city dwellers uh, out of ignorance that they're that they're trying to legislate city doctrine for everyone across the country, or is it? Do you think it's more malicious? I think at the top levels it's more malicious because you you do I th- I think the the top of the left wing they really want that full authoritarian control I think they've done a good job of kind of brainwashing um, lower information people and they've done that by infiltrating the media and the education system and most people that are going to live in a city they've been told that hey to make it in the big city you need to have a college degree in something you know and so I think the universities had just became an indoctrination factory a long time ago where they've been sold this whole religion of like hey whoever's in charge is who you listen to is the professor in school and now it's the government and as long as we get our our team in government that's exactly who you listen to and if the other team gets in the mean orange man like no matter what he says like that's got to be wrong and it's not just wrong he's a nazi and so whatever you whatever you need to do to take that away is the right thing and you're you're morally superior i i I think if i was gonna make a prediction either there's going to be a great upheaval a very serious conflict or within two three years everyone's going to be living in pods and eating bugs yeah. No, no joke. I think, you know, uh, people out in the country will still have their farm animals, probably be less likely to be eating bugs. But the way things are going, the way the, the political uh, agenda is going, I, that, that's where we're headed. I think this is a testing period right now. I mean, I, th- I think we're on the precipice of either the country drastically changing and we becoming way more authoritarian where we have to listen to whoever is in Washington, D.C., and they, they have very control of intimate aspects of our lives. Or I think we're going to see a huge pushback. I'm, I'm, I'm optim- cautiously optimistic, I should say, that in 22, there's going to be a bunch of America First candidates to go and take the House and the Senate back. And then we're going to have two years of, of hard legislative fights, hard culture war fights, media fights. But I do believe then we're, we're going to be able to get enough momentum to take the country back in 2024. Yeah, so right now, the Democrats have a very, very, very slim majority right. or control, right? They don't technically have the Senate, but the tiebreaker goes to the Democrats, so they yep. do have that power, but they can't break the filibuster. Yep. So not only that, they have to convince Manchin of everything, and he's a West Virginia <laughs> yeah, Democrat, yeah. <laughs> so it's hard for them to move. They do have the House, and there have been Republican defectors, like on the January 6th commission, so they do have that. Yeah. However, it seems like things are really bad. Yeah. You know, uh, so they're, they're saying, but inflation's going to make everyone's wages go. I read this article, they were like, Don't be scared of inflation. It means your wage will go up. (laughs) And I'm like, wow, preying on the ignorant. Your wage will go up after the cost of everything else goes up and your savings is decimated. It's a tax on everybody. And then, right. This is what's funny about Joe Biden saying, no, no, you you make less than $400,000. You know, you know, not a penny in taxes. Bad calf care. So he says that. But what, 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 and then all of these, you know, lefty socialists say, see, he's not taxing us. And then he goes, I'm going to print $6 trillion. Yeah. And that is a tax on all of these people. He's, he's yeah. taking your savings by printing this money. Yep. The value of your money goes down. Yes. So yeah, your wage will go up after the fact, after they've taken your savings through indirect means. Yeah. And a lot of people, uh, they don't realize it. So because of these things, we've, uh, so let, let me, let me just, let me just list some, uh, some problems with the Democrats right now. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I self reflect. I'm looking at all the Biden stuff and I'm like, do I have Biden derangement syndrome? Like, was <laughs> I just tribalistically like Trump's not that yeah, bad? Right. Now Biden's and I just, Biden's bad. Okay. I've tried to give Biden credit on things, you know. Uh, he sped up the vaccine rollout and I was like, you know, okay, if he's increasing the timeline and it's working, I'll say it's a good thing, right? If, if it's an improvement. Cause I try to. I want to make sure I'm not just screeching. Yeah. However, he reopened the Homestead facility, mm-hmm. which is the migrant children, expanding yeah. the McAllen facility. Kids are sleeping in dirt. Now, I'm not going to blame him for these kids because he's right. got it. But 
He is also the guy who ended Trump's Remain in Mexico policy, which is causing the pull factor. He's now smuggling children, his administration, yes. in the dead of night to other states. Yep. You've got the policy in Syria, the missile strikes, the, the, the movement of soldiers, the funding of groups with Israel and Palestine just exacerbating everything, a breakdown of, of Middle Eastern relations, hyperinflation, the unemployment benefits, the mass spending of money. And I'm like, man, this guy really is torching everything. Yeah. So maybe yeah. it will be enough that come 2022, people vote for the America First Republicans. Because I'll say two things. Um, first... Maybe a lot of people are disillusioned by the whole system and are going to walk away. Yeah. But maybe that will inspire a bunch of non-traditional Republicans to run, probably like you, to be like, America first, let's fix this country, let's do better. Because I'm not a fan of the Republican Party. No, neither am I. And I, I think a big mistake that Republicans could make is think that they can stop the America first movement. Because if they go and they throw their money behind traditional candidates the base that got Trump his victory, they're just not going to come out and vote. It'd be a huge mistake for the Republicans to make this, make the mistake to think that people are loyal to the Republican Party. Like, they're not. They were loyal to Trump. They were loyal to America first. And it wasn't just Trump. I mean, there were some people who were, you know, they they love Trump. And I like the guy a lot, too. And I think he was a great president. But it's not about a cult of personality. It's about the set of values that he put forward. And I think if the Republican Party doesn't fully embrace those, they're going to get taken over by America first eventually, but they could really screw up in this this critical period that we're at right now. There are a lot of people that, you know, live and die by Trump. They scream Trump. They love Trump. They have Trump flags. And there are a lot of people who voted for him who are like, well, he believes in this country. Mm-hmm. It's the best we got. Exactly. Yeah. And he's willing to fight back against the, the permanent ruling class. Like yeah. if you just have a career politician go in there, had we picked anybody else that was on that stage in 2016, it would have been the continuation of the Bush Obama era and the Uniparty. Yeah. So, how, how, how amazing is it that uh, like how many countries on the planet are their own country second? You know yeah, what I mean? Exa- yeah. Right. So, so it's, it's funny how the idea of America first gets smeared and I'm confused by that. Right. It's also how they smeared the idea of populism. Mm-hmm. I was always confused by that. I remember when, when it first came out. And they were like, these populists are bad and it's dangerous. And I was like, what are they, what are they trying to say? I'm confused. What do they yeah. mean by that? Right. And then I'm like, wait, are they literally saying the will of the people is bad? Like <laughs> yeah, when yes. the people <laughs> are, are having a democratic, a democratic election in their constitutional republic, that's not a good thing. And the elites should be in charge by virtue of them being elites. Yes. That's literally what they were saying. That's and it was very, saying. it was very, it was confusing to me. And then I was like, oh, oh, wait, wait. They literally mean popular. They yeah. mean like the regular people are like, hey, this is how we want things to be run. Yeah. I think there's certainly some arguments in that, you know, we criticize the Democrats because they're trying to get everyone possibly to vote. Right. So they want 16-year-olds voting who have no political experience. So certainly in that respect, okay, I can understand the argument, but I'm still not going to vote for a Wall Street banker by virtue of him being rich. Exactly. That's the most ridiculous idea ever. So you get Trump, but now now you're you're starting to see more and more politicians who are like, we're going to do right by America, then we can focus on everything else. What's amazing to me is you get on a plane. You get on a plane. What do they say? Secure your own face mask before securing the face mask of those those sitting next to you. And we're in a country that during a pandemic, when our businesses were locked down, the omnibus spending bill was sending tax dollars to other countries. Yeah. That is insane. Billions. That that, that, uh, was it. It was more than billions. Trillions. Yeah. I mean, we had 12 million to like Pakistani gender gender studies. Yeah. How does that? I would rather give twelve random Americans twelve million dollars than send it overseas oh, because yeah. at least it'll stay in, in the economy. Hundred percent. Yeah. But it's because of the petrodollar because they want these other countries using the dollar to yeah. maintain that that 
system. And those dollars make their way back into politicians' pockets through lobbyists yep. and special interests and super PACs. And, like, it's, it's a whole fixed system, and, you know, and it's not serving the American people. I'm, I'm, you know, I talk about living in the pod and eating the bugs and all that stuff. I've got no problem. I've said this all the time. If I get banned, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get in my van, drive down to the river, and just go fishing. Just mind my own business. I am very happy to just be sitting there every day looking up at the stars in a little tent, get a dog or whatever. I don't need much to be happy. And I think about America first, and the idea to me will, sounds like a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are going to be doing a lot of hard work yeah. to support themselves. I think it sounds really good for the environment mm-hmm. because what the, the current system, you know how insane the current system is? Skateboards. I, t- I mentioned this several times. You want to get a skateboard in the United States. Here's what they do. They chop a tree down in Canada, send it to China, turn it into a skateboard, right. send it to California. With yeah. a tariff, That's right? Yeah, with, with, all, with all these tariffs. Why do that? That's terrible for the it's environment. Insane. Why not just have a guy in, you know, in, in Pacific Northwest cut down a tree, turn yeah. it into a skateboard, and you then put it on a you. truck and send it to you? Yeah, exactly. Cut waste. So when I, when I hear about this idea of, like, bring the factories back, get Americans back to yeah. work, yeah, we'll, we'll be working. We probably won't be the biggest name, you know, the wealthiest on the planet. You're not going to have 12 new iPhones every year, but you're going to have what you need. You're going to be responsible for what you produce. You're going to be happy with it. Yep. Instead, you know, we have the opposite. We have have entitlement. People who just get, they they, they want stimulus checks. They want, they live in big cities. They work at BuzzFeed where they get paid tons of money to write articles about nonsense. Yep. I'm not a fan of that. I really see this fourth turning in effect. Um, are you familiar with the fourth turning and, yeah. and how like every generation people become distanced from the past, you yeah. know, that people don't, they're so soft that they don't, that they have this, 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 I don't know, air of like assumption or this like belief, mm-hmm. like they're owed things and, and peace and prosperity. And like yeah. that, that doesn't, that doesn't like accidentally happen. That's right. Yeah. They're, 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 it's been ingrained. Look, when I, when I, I was talking, I, I have a story about my buddy he started a company. He was trying to hire people. He kept hiring college grads. I'll give you the short version. And they kept screwing up. And he was like, I went through, you know, hired two people. They screwed up. I hired two more people. They screwed up. I hired two more people. And I'm like, I can't afford to keep doing this. These people can't do the job. So then finally he hired some college, some high school, uh, high school dropouts. Yeah. They got like the GEDs or something. But they had moved from, I think like Utah to California or Iowa to become actors. And the, he said, these guys were perfect. And then he realized they took the initiative to leave where they live to go seek, you know, their yeah. riches and their adventure and they were self-starters. When he went to people who were who had college degrees, what he found was these are people who just did what they were told. Yep. So they couldn't exactly. solve any problems when a problem was presented. Yep. And then he realized like not only do I save money, but these people are m- more capable. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I see these people going to college, not because they're pursuing a passion, but because they were told they, they have were told to. told to, yep. So now for me, it's like, it's... I typically look for, I don't care if you have a degree or not. I care if you have a portfolio, you're passionate, mm-hmm. and you can prove it. Yeah, exactly. I think the, uh, the, what happened with the, the greatest generation was they went through so much hardship and so much adversity in the war. They fought it collectively together. They all fought it so much that they didn't need to come home and talk about it and dwell on it. But they also had stuff to do. We had this whole production industry while the war was going on because we had to have it. And then Americans just fell in on that production industry, went to work, and built the country that we had. And I think... That 
the uh, byproduct of that was the boomers, and the boomers had this horrible experience with foreign intervention in Vietnam. And so if you didn't want to go to Vietnam, what would you do? You went to college. And so this whole industry oh, yeah. got, got produced around, hey, like all the smart yeah. kids go to college, the dumb kids join the military, kind of spitting in the face, a little, little bit of rebellion too at the boomers who, uh, not, not the boomers, the greatest generation who took service very, very seriously. Um, and so now the byproduct of that is we have, there's no collective identity of Americans. We didn't collectively all go through something, you know, and then you throw in the whole college aspect too, where the, the divide is now class, the people that were smart enough to go to college to really learn how to follow instructions properly and get indoctrinated because the leftists infiltrated the, the colleges a long time ago. And then the rest of the country who their those production jobs, they all got killed. So they're disenfranchised. Then you have yep. the opioid epidemic and you have all these guys, these young men just looking for, for purpose. I think a lot of these city-dwelling, college-educated individuals don't realize that what they do only exists because of the rural labor market, the yeah. farmers yeah. particularly, yeah. Right. people who work in agriculture. It's really incredible how that is the backbone of this country. I mean, there's no food without these people. So you, right. you want to work in a lab, you want to work in a university, get your grant. Well, your grant only works because you can go and buy food because right. someone made that food. Yeah. They don't get it. So what happens is we have this system. People go to college. They say, going to college is your ticket to a better a better future. They tell yep. their kids, you'll get a better job. Just get a degree. Get, yeah, just get a degree, whatever it is. Anything. And now these kids have, you know, art, liberal arts degrees. Follow your passion. Philosophy, yeah. you know, I, I believe it or not, people do get degrees in folklore and mythology. Sure, yeah. But what are you going to do to sustain the system? Other, you know, nothing. Yeah. These degrees don't do anything. So you end up with a lot of people who have a lot of useless degrees, many who mm -hmm. have changed their majors. But still demand higher salaries because they've they think they're entitled to it. They did what they were. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. did what I was told. I deserve it. Give it to me. Now here's the best part: these these kids who are, who are all graduating and the adults, the millennial adults nearing their forties who have this massive debt, are now the highest income earners in the country, demanding the working class pay their debts off. Yeah, that's right. Is this like how often has that happened in history where the ultra rich demand mm -hmm. the poor? I shouldn't say ultra-rich, but where the wealthier class Wealthy, yeah. demands the government tax the poor to pay off their debts. No, there's, it's a recipe for disaster. You know? Is there going to be a revolt? Are, are the working class people going to step up and be like, I am not paying your debts? You, your salary? These, some of these people, they get jobs at 50 grand a year to write articles for BuzzFeed. Right. There are people at BuzzFeed who make six figures. They yeah. do really, really well. I mean, it's a legit company. They make a lot of stuff. But how is it that you can write you know, three or four articles per day about whatever nonsense. Here's a, here's a picture of a bunch of cats. <laughs> and you'll get paid more money than a guy who's fixing your sewer. Yeah. That, to me, is incredible. It's and insane. that's a problem with our economy. I've always felt this way since I was a kid, you know. I always thought, like, why is it that baseball players get paid more than doctors? Yeah. You know, shouldn't doctors get paid a lot more? Right. Well, whatever your opinion is on, on that, I'm sure a lot of people say, well, the market pays, the market, the market pays. pays. It, yeah. Well, here we go. Right now, you have people who are dredging through sewers, pulling out rat kings. You know what a rat king is? Mm. When all the rats get stuck together yeah. and they clog pipes and you pull them out, their tails are all tied in knots. Yeah, there are people who have to put on. I, I knew a guy growing yeah. up. His, his, uh, his stepdad would put on a full body suit and go into five feet of sewage and be trying to stick their hand in and clear out pipes. And there's needles and stuff. And, and that, that person gets paid less yeah. than some 24-year-old degree sitting in an office in New York writing articles about, like, here's five pictures of hamsters that'll make you laugh. Yeah. That system, to me, makes no sense and will be unsustainable once the working class, the labor, actually realizes yep. that they're getting paid less 
being rewarded less for their hard work and sacrifice. Yeah. And not only that, service members. I think that's what terrifies the authoritarian left so much about America First, because we've become the party of the working class and the party of the middle class. We're the ones that say, hey, we want people to have a job. We want them to have their, their dignity and their individual sovereignty. I think that the, that terrifies the left because they're seeing that awakening. That's what was, that's what actually was so dangerous about Donald Trump because Trump was like, I can make your guys' wages rise. I can put our country first. You don't need to play with this. You don't need to play by this system that has done absolutely nothing but failure. And that's why I think you've seen the left shift their, their focus so much to all these racial issues and, and the critical race theory because anytime they want to saddle us with more debt or do job killing economic policies they have to they have to distract from that and they have to they have to keep the races fighting how do you how do you convince somebody who works at buzzfeed for high five figures that they're actually worse off than the construction worker making 25 an hour how do you how do you convince them oh race you make it about mm-hmm. race and intersectionality. Yep. And so there you go. They've redefined the, the conflict so that Absolutely. they can keep people voting for them convinced yep. they're the saviors. Yep. When in reality, these New York you know, liberal types who are in their 20s, mm-hmm. man, I, I'll tell you, when I first walked into that Vice building, I started working at Vice. And the job I had before that, I was working in nonprofits and I was getting a real, like base like base salary. Before that, I used to work at O'Hare Airport and I was loading bags. Yeah. 10 bucks an hour. Eventually made 11 bucks an hour, lifting about 50,000 pounds per day to load these planes. And it was hard work. And people got hurt. And yeah. in order to, to pay for their, 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 their families, to fund their families, some people work double shifts all day, every day. And then I walk into Vice, and I see these people just, like, sitting back. They got, like, booze on their, on their, on their table. They got whiskey. They're drinking. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, eh, chilling. And I'm like, you're getting paid, like, $50,000 a year. Not all of them. Vice did, was notoriously paid not that well, but a lot of these people were getting like 35 to 50, and they were doing nothing. Yeah. Relatively nothing. They did something. You know, they'd get emails from people saying, here's a story, and they'd be like, cool, and they'd take it, and then they'd put it on the site, and like some people wouldn't even show up for work. And I'm like, so it's true, man. You move to New York City. You can get a do-nothing job that pays really, really well. How long until the people are actually doing the labor that supports this, yeah. this country, how, how long until they say, hey, wait a minute. Why am I making stuff for you and you don't do anything? There is a, an issue, I suppose, because people say, hey, the market pays what the market's going to pay. But then you look at how the policies of, uh, of the left are, are, are functioning today. Joe Biden's just taxing the working class That's right. through inflation, which and then giving money to people in cities who aren't working. Yeah. At a certain point, people are going to say, nah. Yeah. Once they get, start getting hungry, for sure. I think when the technology is like broad enough that you can communicate, you can establish like pockets of resistance for the workers to defy like the white collar oligarchy but we need to figure out a system that solves for that because throughout time the workers have been rising up and overthrowing the government and creating a revolution that then they become the new oligarchy and then produce another form of tyranny that another group of workers have to rise up and overthrow so like building a decentralized system where there's no oligarchy I think that's the that's got to be the only way yeah i think getting rid of our our political classes is the key because we we can we can vote we have elections we should be able to do this but we've just fallen into this two-party system and the two parties have just pretty much done the same thing which is screw over the working class so that's why i mean i think you saw the establishment on both sides left and right go after a guy so heavily like donald trump you know because if imagine if there was more donald trump's like that we could disrupt the entire system and really put it back on a footing where working class people actually had had a chance. Check check out this story from 2018. So this is from GeekWire. Clash at Amazon HQ. Construction workers shout down council member over plan to tax big business. So I don't know if you saw this story. 
But the videos went viral, and it was absolutely hilarious. You had academic leftists wearing their, you know, red salute fists, yeah. shirts, and Che Guevara. Shirts, yeah. And they were like, we want to tax this, and we want to regulate this. And a bunch of guys in yellow vests and, and hard hats were shouting them down, protesting. Good for them. So these academic lefty types keep saying over and over again, we represent labor and the working class. They don't. No. They're the academic intelligentsia. Yep. These are, they, they represent college kids who've never had a job. Yep. And these middle middle aged dudes who work construction who are actual labor showed up and protested them. Oh, that was in we Seattle. To, yeah, it was in Seattle. We need yeah. to see more of this. So uh let me let me read a little bit. They say that so this is twenty eighteen. We have this video, the clash at uh, uh I think it's outside of Amazon headquarters. They say council member Kishama Sawant asked reporters Whoa. to join her in front of Amazon's iconic spheres as she implored her colleagues not to back down on the so called head tax, despite Amazon's announcement that it will pause some of its growth plans pending the council's decision. But Suwant struggled to get her message across as dozens of Seattle iron workers nice. drowned her out with chants of no head tax. Yeah. I don't see these lefty, you know, Black Lives Matter types, Antifa types. They're, they're not labor. They're not unions. Mm-mm. They're not workers. Right. The unions are, I, 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 my understanding is that many of them split for Trump. There's yeah, a big I, shift. Yeah, definitely the the worker bees of the unions. That's that's very red. I think very working class. But the class. people who run the but unions, the people who runs yeah run the know. well they're in bed with you know the depart the chamber of commerce and the department of labor. So yeah, I mean I think that's just another reason why they have to have these narratives come in um, of you know racial inequality because if all the workers like kind of woke up and realized they were being screwed by the same permanent class, they they would have a huge problem. So I, so right now in this country and it's been this way for years, you have upper class academic, intelligentsia, white-collar workers claiming to represent labor. Right. They don't. But nope. it is it is fascinating because if you look back at history when the, when, when a lot of the philosophy and a lot of the, the ideologies were being written and conceived of, like Marx, for instance, there there wasn't – like there, new classes have emerged. The middle yeah. class, you know, it, it emerged at some point, upper middle class, upper lower class, lower middle class, yeah. upper lower whatever. So you started to see – all of a sudden, regular people now becoming landlords. They mm-hmm. weren't typically lords, but mm-hmm. now th- there's like an expansion of different classes. And what happens is you, en- you end up with people who are fairly well off relative to everybody else, but they're not super wealthy. Mm-hmm. So they view themselves as labor. Mm-hmm. Well, I work for this big company. I work for this billionaire. Therefore, I'm not upper class. I am labor. But they make twice as much or three times as much as the guys who actually build buildings and farm the crops. Right. And now they're protesting as though they are the, the the suffering, you know, working class. But they're actually like, they're they're mid level bourgeoisie. Yep. And most of them to get that job, they had to go to college, and that's where the indoctrination started. So, I think we could chip away at a lot of this too by waiving a lot of the college degree requirements, especially like in government. If I get into office, I want to start hiring people that don't have college degrees. I want to I want to waive the requirement that to work on my staff, you have to have university. Yeah, that's that's actually that's been a big trend over the past uh, ten years. Actually, it's yeah. been it's been you know growing and growing. Uh, as I just stated moments ago, and you know a little in a previous uh, bit, I don't I don't care for college degrees. You know, yeah. if you have one, if you don't, it's meaningless to me. Yeah. You show me your portfolio, show me your passion, show me you can do the job and you want to yep. do it, then I'm down and we can work together and we can make some cool, cool stuff happen. But when I get people like, here's my resume, I went to college for this, I'm like, that means nothing to me. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I, dude, I used to hang out at colleges. You know, you know what I saw? I saw people going to school for like music production, just drunk all day. Just, right, right. Yeah. Just partying just and partying, drinking. Yeah. And I'm like, and then I, and I, I, I know some 16 year old kid who was every day producing and making music and working with bands. And I'm like, and he knows a hundred times more than that kid who went to college. Yeah. So your degree, I'm sorry. Your piece of paper is great and all, but it means nothing to me. In fact, I'll tell you this. 
College degrees, in my opinion, detriment. You know why? Mm-hmm. People with college debt require higher salaries. That's right. And Absolutely. if the company can't afford it, you're going to lose out to the competition who can do the yeah. job and doesn't have the degree. But it's the perfect means of control. Like you have the ideological test there w- within college and people get really good at following instructions. Then they're saddled with all this debt. So they can't, they have to go live in the pod and eat the bugs because they can't afford a house out in the country. They have to go live in this city. They can't afford to have kids, make families. You know, like it's, it's, it's a genius I, way to control. I, I, I really am not a fan of, uh, you know, people saying like, I have no choice. I have to do it. I think about the people who got on boats and just, you know, just landed on the shores of nothing. Yeah. Said, yeah. Let's start building. Yeah. Imagine that like first ship that came from here to the United States. Just hard. L- lucky enough to meet in some circumstances, like, you know, we have the story of the first Thanksgiving. You know, yeah. Like, hey, we're starving. It's winter. And the Native Americans are like, we're going to help you out. Yeah. And there's a lot of bad history there for sure. <laughs> right. But I, but outside of that, there were people who said, I'm going to get in a boat for three months. You know, one in five people will die on this journey. Right. Literally just in the ocean before yep. we even get anywhere. And then once we get there, nothing there. But we're going to do it. Now you have people who are like, I should be able to have a house. The houses exist. Give it to me. Yeah, exactly. So so even people who, you know, they get to the degrees and like, I have no choice. I have to go move to the city. It's like, have you considered just living the way humans have lived? Like, why, why do you feel entitled to mm-hmm. all of the luxuries of life? Right. I, 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 I think about this. You know, uh, when I saw the, I was on the Williamsburg Bridge in New York, Mm. free to use for everybody. Somebody paid for it. Somebody built it, but you just get it for free. That's the kind of thing that people don't understand. They don't realize how much work and suffering and sacrifice was done for them so that they can have all of these free things. Yeah. Now they're entitled to it. Now they demand it. Yep. My attitude's always been like, dude, if I, if I was in the middle of the woods and I was buck naked, that's that's zero. That's like that's where I'm like, okay, I got nothing. I better get to work. Yeah. If I was, you know, if, if I had a pointy stick, hey, I'm up one. Like I got stuff. This is good. Pointy stick's great. Yeah. No, but we're we're way beyond that. We live in luxury. We've got clean drinking water. We've got hot water. Yep. Even 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 our homeless in this country are overweight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, right. It's actually a problem. We should get them better food. They're eating yeah. bad food. But you know, we're we're almost a victim of our own success. We definitely are. Now people are trapped in this entitlement mentality instead of realizing what life is and that you're entitled to nothing. So yeah. how how do we get out of that? You know, how do we get people back to the chopping the tree down, you know, just to get the wood for the winter, to heat their homes, to be responsible for themselves and not demand all this stuff from cities, from governments. Yeah, I think we have a lot of work to do with messaging. Like, the more work that you do and the more independent you are, the more that you actually have your freedom. Like, you, we need to shift the culture from, like, hey, you you have all these things that are entitled to you. Like, you, by the time you're 30 years old, you should have a house. You're like, well, no, not really. Like, you should work hard enough to get a house. You should have the, the means to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what we're, that's what's so great about this country, but do, that doesn't mean anything's guaranteed. Now, this is where I'm, I, I'm, well, I think many on the left and the right will probably agree. Well, I should say many on the left who are paying attention. It used to be a lot easier to buy a house. It did. The houses, the housing market wasn't as crazy, but you know, the issue is Federal Reserve. Hmm. The, the system we have where Joe Biden is able to just snap his fingers and right. flood the market with money, yep. strips everyone's ability, it, it hyperinflates. Yeah. It strangles the market. And so it is getting harder and harder to buy that house. Yeah. My attitude is, you know what, man? I'm not going to be demanding of anyone else. Mm. I'm responsible for myself. And if I have to go live in a cardboard box because that's what I have and have access to, like, well, you know what? No one's got to build anything for me. Right. So I'll go into the middle of the woods and I'll hike into the mountains and I'll figure something out. I'll live in a bus in Alaska if I have to, you know, beaten down. But it is an issue if our society can't function because people can't buy houses because the market's right. been just absolutely manipulated and broken. Yep. And then I don't, I'm not surprised we're headed towards, you know, some kind of crisis. 
you know, we just had so much individual agency taken away from us by the federal government, you know, for varying reasons. But the but the in state has been total control. Like the Fed's a great example. So I, I think we just need to get that rugged sense of what it means to be an independent American back. I think there's cultural work to do there, but I think really expressing to the American people the the economic crisis that we're about to be in because all these different countries right now could chip away at our economy. China could pull out the rug from right underneath us. Yep. So we need, I, I think if we got back on a wartime footing to getting our production back online. I, I think we could potentially see a shift. It might take as much of a, as a as a generation for people to understand that, like, hey, you're not entitled to anything, but you can go work hard. Well, let's let's think about this. Joe Biden's got a six trillion dollar spending package, and a lot of it includes repairing bridges and you know roads and infrastructure. Like, what what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, the, if if it was just truly infrastructure, I'd, I'd be okay with that. But his infrastructure bill is like six trillion, and he considers everything. It's like childcare is infrastructure, right. and like all these different programs are infrastructure. Like he just. If he says infrastructure, then he gets to spend money on it. And it right. just doesn't work that way. So there's infrastructure work to be done for sure. But like what, when you go and you repair a road or a bridge, like that takes concrete, that takes steel. So let's produce that here in America. Like why, are, why don't we have steel and concrete factories getting back online if we need to repair the, the infrastructure? It almost sounds like it's on purpose. You know, so here, it, here's a few of the problems. They say they want to increase the corporate tax. The yeah. corporations got to pay their fair share. Yep. Then they say, also, we've got to pay everybody a higher wage. Also, free trade, no right. tariffs on imported goods. Exactly. Then China says they complete the puzzle. They say no taxation here, cheap labor with mm-hmm. no, no human rights. And when you put those things together, what do you get? A corporation says, okay, so it's going to cost us an extra $10 million for salaries. It's going to cost us an extra $10 million in corporate tax. And we'll save $20 million by putting our factory in China. Yeah. Put our factory in China. Right. We can ship the goods in for free. It's incentivizing it. Mm-hmm. Now you look at Joe Biden's infrastructure plan. And yes, like, you know, child care's infrastructure was the meme. At the same time as he's trying to rebuild infrastructure, which some of it is a good thing, he's also still in, uh, pushing the unemployment. And now the child tax credit, which is going to give up to like $3,000 per family, yeah. which just gives people money so they don't need to work, which right. means... If you give a bunch of people money and they don't work, you're not going to hi- find people in the United States who are going to want to produce the steel or the yeah, concrete or right. the quarries. They're going to be like, I'm good. And then the only option is for those companies that are getting contracted by the federal government. Biden steps in and says, I got a billion dollars to build this bridge. So we're going to need you know X amount of steel, X amount of concrete. The company is going to say, wish we could find somebody to do it, but nobody wants to work. I guess we'll buy from China. Yep. And it's once again incentivizing, sending our infrastructure, yep. our capabilities to China. Yep. And then who do they have do the labor? I mean, Joe Biden just opened up our southern border. So we have we have then here comes the illegal immigrants for the handful of working class Americans that do want to work. Why are you going to hire working class Americans? You got to pay their health care. You got to pay a minimum wage. I you know, you can just go hire a couple of illegal immigrants and save a whole bunch of money. And then whenever you're done with them, you can pretty much discard them. So we're, we're being created, gutted. Yeah, we are absolutely being gutted. Yeah. We're, you know, another um, I guess you would call it a, a danger with our uh, regarding our sovereignty is. The, the way that we get paid, the way that our money system works, like right now you work 40 hours for a company and then you trust that they're going to give you the money for it. Yeah. You, you make YouTube videos and then you're going to trust that when YouTube says we're going to pay you that ad revenue, that it's going to arrive. But you still have to trust that the company's going to send you the mm-hmm. money. You trust that PayPal is going to take that money and send it to you. Sometimes they don't. I know. And so we're on the precipice of smart, a smart contract economy where the money just automatically goes. There's no middleman that holds it and sends it. Yeah. That's a that's a big that's a big danger. How cool would it be, you know, with 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 the crypto markets? You didn't get paid a week after you work, or thirty days, like if you're a contractor, 
you're, you're literally just watching the crypto trickle into your account. Every minute you work, your 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 account. And if is the taxes were paid instantly, I mean that would be so. And they legit. could be. That's another thing too. Like you know, we got a bungled up tax system. We do. The the the, the IRS knows what we owe. Yeah. They could literally just deduct and be like, have a nice day. They so play like, a guessing game. You know. Well, you know, uh, so the, what they say is that these big tax preparation companies are are incentivized not to end the system. So oh, yeah, they lobby to keep the machine going, and it just wastes everybody time, everybody's time and energy. For the sake of the economy, to keep the machine going. Hey, if they want to do a great reset, can we start with resetting the taxes? So yeah, reset the IRS. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, seriously, because like a lot of these taxes don't make sense. Oh, what a what a what a breathe of relief that would be for people to have that stuff taken care of. I think That's crypto so is is going to be awesome. Yeah. But so, uh, have you followed Bitcoin and all that stuff? I have a little bit. Yeah. So I think you know Bitcoin is the one true key. These other cryptos are. I'm I'm not one of these doomsayers. A lot of people hate what they're, they're called altcoins, like Ethereum. These other yeah, companies. Yeah. No, I'm a big fan. I think the technology is fantastic. Max Kaiser got in your brain. What? Kaiser got Kaiser came. I disagree with him. So you know Max Kaiser. I do. He loves. Yeah. He came over and he's like Bitcoin all the way. But I'm. But I'm. Yeah. I disagree oh, with him. You do. Yeah. Max is saying all of the alternative coins are bad. Uh, I, don't, I don't agree with that. I, I don't think so. I think Bitcoin's fantastic. It's decentralized, and I think if we were operating on that system or or some kind of standard with that, you can't get a Fed to come in and pump money and devalue the system. You got Bitcoin. Your Bitcoin's good. Is because the, it's a decentralized system no one controls. Would you would you say the Bitcoin is backed by the US dollar or like Bitcoin completely replacing the dollar? Uh I I don't think it replaces the dollar. Yeah. I think it holds value and they call it digital gold. Right. So it's not necessarily something you're gonna be using every day for spent for, for buying stuff. However, uh Max said once it's around half a million to between like a half a million per Bitcoin, like a million dollars per Bitcoin, then you'll probably that's when it stabilizes, when it's like, mm. you know, above gold or whatever. Uh, Bitcoin's just a store of value. It's yeah. almost like just a bank account. Yeah. So a, a lot of these companies track your Bitcoin in dollar value. Yeah. And it goes up all the time. Now, the recent crash, people who are inexperienced with Bitcoin are freaking out. But people who have been using Bitcoin for a long time don't know, don't care. Yeah. Because if you're holding Bitcoin, you're going, you're, you're, you're not losing value. If you're holding dollars, you're right. losing value. Oh, yeah. So that, that's why I think Bitcoin is truly going to be incredible. There's some issues with it. It's fully trackable. It's extremely transparent oh, in yeah. kind of a bad way. But I look at this as maybe that is a way to fix a lot of these problems. They're not going to be able to pump money into the market if people lose confidence in a dollar and they switch to a cryptocurrency market. You've got smart contracts. People get, can get paid on time. There's more trust in the system. Mm-hmm. However, the only way that can happen is if confidence in the dollar is lost, which would be some kind of mass inflationary. And then people switch over. Well, it, it would be funny if it becomes Dogecoin. <laughs> yeah, it just becomes like some some big standard. Yeah, I, I I don't know though. I'm 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 confident. And if I were to make a bet, not giving anybody advice, I wouldn't be surprised if in ten fifteen years we were on a Bitcoin standard of some sort. If you look at the trends, like the banking trends, that, that makes a lot of sense. You know, yeah. the CEOs of J.P. Morgan, other banks yeah. are fully on on board. I think as long as we controlled that and then we actually were a production-based independent country that wouldn't be a huge deal i think if china goes and says like hey the u.s dollar is so worthless you guys need to buy into whatever china coin or some form of chinese bitcoin like that could be a major problem for the entire world and i'm sure that's what china i mean absolutely again with with the way that we're running up our debt like they could do something like that fairly easily that's what's scary yeah if uh if we don't do this right and i and and i think we're not 
No, China, China could absolutely create a centralized coin and then could. replace the reserve currency and say we only do yeah. business in China coin. That's the smartest way to fight us, really. I mean, Thucydides' trap of like us going and duking it out and shooting with China, like I, I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. But if I were China, I would just continue to uh, purchase our debt so we gain the confidence that, that that's always going to be there. We keep printing money. They keep watching us eat ourselves alive with critical race theory and racial tensions. And then at the time of your choosing, you choose to pull out and stop buying our debt. Yep. I, I thought about this a long time ago. And I was like years ago, maybe like a decade ago, I was talking to my friend and I was like, man, what if China just one day said, yo, we're not going to make your stuff anymore? Yeah. We would just instantly be like cut off from everything. We'd be sitting here holding an empty bag. And I was like, man, what if they said that and then declared war? Right. We're we're totally screwed. Yeah. So I guess we can just fire Z missiles, but... Th- right. Then what? Yeah, then what? Yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe that's intentional because, you know, they say that... Uh... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It prevents war, right? They want these free trade agreements so that we can't go to war because the U.S. Yeah. is too dependent upon China. No, it sounds to me like when you look at what's going on with international trade, China's been exempt from everything. They, they, have they, been. they, they talk about climate change and reducing carbon emissions. How often do they mention China? Right. And China just says, we're not going to do that. That's for the rest of you guys to beat each other up with. They build new, new coal power plants. Right. So, so let's, 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 let's focus on that, I suppose. Here's my question, right? America first, not isolationist, obviously. Right. You mentioned that, you know, with ISIS, it was like this, this real evil that needed to be stopped. Yeah. So it's hard to know, um, when America first becomes, we need to do something internationally. Yeah. So, I, so a good friend of mine, Cassandra Fairbanks, was on, has been on the show before. And I said, you know, we look at China, we look at the, the Uyghur camps and everything, it's very difficult. What do we do? We, we don't want war. We don't want to just go and right. fight this massive world war with China, and, the, and it would be catastrophic. But do we just watch as they commit atrocities? Cassandra said, you know, she's like, no, I'm anti-war 100%. There's no, like, uh, tons of countries are committing atrocities. We don't get involved. We, we, we can't just go and start war with a massive country. And I was like, what about trade sanctions? And she said, well, that leads to war. So, so how do we deal with something like that, right? If we if we want to take care of America first, we want to be self-reliant, at what point would we intervene, say, with concentration camps? Yeah, I, I think with foreign interventions, we have to have a really clear national security objective. Like this, whatever it is overseas, threatens America, threatens our sovereignty, threatens our ability to conduct free and fair commerce. But there also has to be a clear end state. Like we go out and we – ISIS is a great example. We go and we take out the territorial caliphate and like then it's mission complete. We come home. We call it good. We still leave the ability to collect intelligence, occasionally strike if needed, but we don't go over there and occupy. Like, there's a clear-cut objective. Like, with the Uyghur camps and a lot of these human rights violations that go on throughout the entire world, it's just a slippery slope. And, like, so we intervene then in China, hypothetically. Where else do we intervene? So my my uh, whenever, whenever, whenever the far left says, like, hey, anywhere there's an atrocity, it's our responsibility, that responsibility to protect doctrine that, like, Samantha Power and a lot of the folks in the Biden administration just love. Um, to that, I say, hey, well, then go sell that to the American people and then tell them that we need to start the draft because we're going to be yep. at war freaking everywhere. Because if you never traveled outside this country, I hate to break it to you, like, the world's a dark and dangerous place. How about a bill that uh, whenever there is a conflict, whenever we see an atrocity— we put it up for a national vote, 
Yeah. Everybody votes. And if you vote yes, you're drafted. I, I would be down with that. Someone yeah, that, that was fair. actually proposed, I think, before World War II. They yeah. were like, anybody who wants to vote for war, you got to go join up. Yep. Because you can't make someone else fight for you. Yeah. Well, I'm down. Because okay. I'll tell you this. If there was something where I truly thought we had to intervene, then I'd be the first to be like, what do I need to do? Right, exactly. Like, if I'm looking at the concentration camps in, in China, I'll be like, how can I help? Yeah. Obviously, I don't think frontline infantry makes sense for me, but I'll absolutely do what I can. Yeah. What makes sense. However, I'm not absolutely convinced we should intervene. Right. I think Cassandra made a really good point. She mentioned, you know, there's a bunch of countries like, you know, you know, you, you see these groups in, 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 uh, in Africa and Nigeria, what they're doing to these young girls and... Do we intervene there? It's I'm horrible, like, but don't we do though? <laughs> like, I mean, exa- that, that, that's where I'm like, hey, start the draft because it's it's everywhere, guys. Right. You know, exactly. But I think with with a, an actor like China or pretty much any of these countries um, that aren't in total anarchy already, us being the economically strongest country in the entire world, that gives us a position of advantage. So then we can say, hey, China, turns out number one, we don't need you. Number two, if you want to do business with us then how about you stop the genocide in those Uyghur camps? Yep. And, and until you do that, we're just not going to do business with you. We could be doing that, but Disney is saying thank you right, to exactly. these, these groups. Yeah, Disney and the NBA and whatever. John Cena. whatever the, yeah, the pro wrestler guy. Like, what was that all about? Like, insane. That was That's pathetic. Yeah, that just shows their control. It's so apparently, it, I, I don't know if it was uh, some, some I th- might have been the movie. I'm not, I'm not sure. There's like an 85% revenue decrease. I don't have the story. Yeah, but. in China. Was that Fast 9? Yeah, so F9. I guess their in their revenue from Chinese theaters dropped by eighty six percent because of what he said. Wow, you know you know what I would do if like if it were me, I was like in a movie and and then I said I've been to a lot of countries, I've been to Taiwan, and they're like, oh. I'd be like, dude, if you guys are mad, whatever, I don't say, have a nice day. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, I don't yeah. tell you, man. Like it's like, am I going to pick and choose who's offended, and who's not offended? Now, nah, if you're offended, well, you know, sorry, I guess. Yeah, and that just shows how much, <laughs> how much, how China has their fingers in every aspect yeah. of our well, economy. It's, it's, it's scary. It's an issue of uh, the the violent tendencies of leftists or mm-hmm. the threat. So when you look at uh, Antifa versus, say, you know, uh, the anti woke, mm-hmm. classically liberal individuals, big tech and these corporations always side with Antifa because they're the real threat. Right. You know, they're not concerned about a bunch of intellectual dark web types you know could you imagine like dave rubin leading a pitchfork march to like twitter <laughs> hq and like throwing bricks to the window it's, right, it's yeah. not gonna happen he's gonna he's gonna sit in his studio and he's gonna ask people questions uh but antifa will show up with bricks so when an argument breaks out who's twitter gonna side with oh yeah well dave rubin's not gonna throw a brick at us right so he's, know, antifa will yeah so when it comes to china you know you can you can smack talk in the united states people still gonna go see the movie yeah not in china though not so china, who you apologize yeah. to so nope. you apologize to China, but let me, let me ask you this, right? So um, before we get into the super chats, we'll do one more. Uh, you're in the um, the southern uh, southern part of Washington, the district yep. you're, you're seeing to represent third, yep. and that's 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 the border, that's the front line. That is from Washington to to Oregon, mm-hmm. right? That uh, Vancouver, Washington, and the river, and then Portland. That's right. You're the first line of defense against the the Portland uh, Antifa and their we are their their violent mobs. But uh, no, in all seriousness. Yeah, what do you, what, tell me your thoughts on what's going on with the violence because it does cross over into Vancouver. It does. You've got Patriot yeah. Prayer over there. So, yeah. uh, I mean, this is your this is where you're seeking to represent. How would you deal with this? What are your thoughts? Yeah, it has to be dealt with. So we need to treat Antifa and BLM like terrorist organizations. Like, we need to use the tools of the federal government, the FBI, the U.S. Marshals, go after them like organized criminals and, and terrorists. So we start arresting these guys and charging them with federal terrorism charges. That's going to take away a lot of the incentive to go out and riot. But not... Not the groups, you mean the leaders, the leaders, the like, leaders. Yeah, but, but so so let's 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 get into the nitty gritty though. I mean, a lot of people 
do have a right to fly that flag and sure. speak their minds. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Would you, you're not talking about going after them, are you? No, I'm not. No, I mean, I, at this point, like right now, after a year, year plus of this amount of violence, we know who the leaders of Antifa are. I mean, I, I know Portland police officers, and they're like, yeah, I know who all the agitators are at this point. Like, I've arrested them, and we, we have to let them go. Right. You know, over and over again. These are people who actively organize violence. Right. Who, and terror. And terror, yeah. There are a lot of people who might fly the Antifa flag or the BLM flag who don't. Yeah, exactly. However, there's, there's, there's a very serious challenge where you get to a point where, you know, in Portland, for instance, they're linking arms, performing a, uh, forming mm-hmm. a human shield as people throw explosives from behind them. Right. At a certain point, whether you're active in that organization, you're aiding and abetting, you're aiding and abetting terroristic yeah. attacks. Yeah, you might not get the 10-year federal terrorism charge, but you're going to get aiding and abetting. And, and once we start actually having repercussions for these people, the, the base of support is going to die down a good deal. I think, you know, when it comes to the leaders... We absolutely need the feds to go in, but they're too occupied, preoccupied with, you know, January 6th or whatever. <laughs> I think for the, the people who are just, you know, doting about and, and, and bumbling and providing that warm body as a shield, you put them in, 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 you lock up for a weekend and actually just charge them for, you know, look, a lot of these people are going to get six months if yeah. they actually got convicted. That's right. not the end of the world for, for any person. That's yeah. not a felony charge. That would put an end to a lot of it. Oh, absolutely. But what happens is these people, they show up playing, they're playing a game. They are. They're, yeah, yeah. So you, you get people who actually are engaging in terrorist activities. I'll put it this way. You know, uh, Michael Flynn, he, he, he made the statement we mentioned early on in the show, and we never actually started a segment on it, but he, he said uh, someone asked him about a Myanmar-style coup, and he said it should happen here, and a lot of people were like, oh, but he's not being serious. He has no power. He's LARPing. And I'm like, that, that's irrelevant what you think he's doing. There are people who are cheering for that. That's dangerous. Like saying there should be a military coup in here. People are going to hear that, and that's one more grain of sand. Yeah. So uh, on its own, that may be fairly significant, but not the most powerful thing ever done by any person or might not lead to a catastrophic moment. But when you get some regular dumb lefty type who has no idea what's going on, put on a black mask, and show up, they have be- become a grain of sand, which has made that mm-hmm. a heap. Antifa would not be able to be burning down these buildings were it not for these people. Right. So if you know these people are doing it, or you don't, I put it this way. Imagine people are like, hey, everybody show up at, you know, the, the, the Bank of America on 7th Street. We're going to we're going to protest. And you show up and a bunch of people put on ski masks and go in and start demanding money. And you stand there linking arms. I mean, you're helping them. Yeah, yeah, the bank. yeah. You know what I mean? Like exactly. You, you get in trouble. For, exactly. For that. So uh, anyway, um, so the, the leaders who are organizing the violence. Yeah, we know they're doing it. They're not getting charged. But what about groups like Patriot Prayer? Because they're they, they've started fights. You know, some of these guys, they, they've gone down. What what are your thoughts on that? So I I think by and large, there's been some of the Patriot Prayer guys went down there and they were expressing their First Amendment rights. I mean, if anybody went and they assaulted somebody, then I think they should be prosecuted too. We can't have two systems. It can't be like we prosecute the guys in the MAGA hat, but then we don't prosecute the guys burning down buildings. Because then you get the situation that we have right now where you have cities on fire for months on end because there's no repercussions whatsoever. So I think if you, if you act, if, if you do something illegal, <laughs> regardless of who you are or what your political affiliation is, like you should be charged for it. So one of the problems we're seeing right now is a lot of these district attorneys are leftists. Yeah. So when Antifa walks in there, you know, they get a, they get two files. One says MAGA, one says Antifa. They say MAGA guy, prison for life. Antifa guy, free to go. Let him go. Yeah. Yep. So it's, then we can look at what happened in New York. You had Antifa show up to this uh, Proud Boys event. They're uh, harassing people. They're attacking people. One guy got robbed. His backpack was stolen. And so the Proud Boys are leaving. And, you know, there's Antifa all over the place. They decide they're going to go at him. So the Proud Boys run at Antifa. One Antifa guy throws a bottle. They get into a fight. Proud Boys win. Yeah. It's kind of not surprising. But what happens then is 
when, when it comes to questioning by the police, Antifa runs away. They mm-hmm. refuse to cooperate. The Proud Boys, doing the right thing, cooperated with police. They got four years in prison. Oh, yeah. And Antifa got away, and no one knows who they were. Right. So yeah. it, this is the kind of this is one of the one of the problems we have in this country. It works the same way with gun laws. You, mm-hmm. you say we're going to ban this gun. Okay. Well, the criminals don't the care. Criminal. Yeah. There's a video going around right now. They're saying it's like oh, a group of people with assault rifles, and I'm like, it looks like some dudes in an, in an urban environment with like short barreled full auto, some sort. I can't tell what it was. And I'm like, yeah, that's like legit. Hard to get NFA and this yeah. dude's. How did he get that in a city? Yeah, these are guys who are serious. Regular law-abiding citizens won't have any of that stuff. When yeah. you look at what happens with the Proud Boys, these guys are like, "Yes, officer, we believe in you. Thank you. We'll cooperate." Now yeah. they're in prison. Yep. The, the lesson here is: don't cooperate with police because you're not going to get a fair deal, or at the very least, you can see how the system works. Yeah. If if you show up and do the right thing and admit and and give the information, they lock you up. They lock you up exactly. Yeah, and there's just been no repercussions whatsoever for going after these these terrorists essentially you know for months on end and it's just spread like violence never goes goes away unchecked if if people act violently they don't just say one day oh hey it's the 15th of the month let's stop being violent like (laughs) they actually have to be met with force that's just that that's the law of nature that's the way it has to go and so we actually have to put this back in the bottle by arresting a lot of them and i think if we started arresting the leaders and exposing who they were and how they were being funded like we did with the mafia back in the day they a lot of the popular support that these these groups are getting in places like Portland um, would go away because right now they're thriving off this whole narrative that hey these guys are out there fighting fascism they're fighting for black lives people believe this stuff yep. people in the suburbs of Portland believe this they donate money they donate political support I mean my the neighborhood I grew up in gave almost half a million dollars to the the bail fund that Kamala Harris was promoting to bail out people that were burning our city down. I mean, that's a level of popular indoctrination that just amazed me. That's hard to fight. But yeah. uh, but you're in a Republican district. We are. Yep. That's really interesting. Just north of Portland. Just north. Republican. Yep. And yep. you got to win a primary. That's right. You know, the way I see it is I've said in numerous videos, segments I've done over the past couple of months, like, why why bother voting for any of these Republicans when you empower people like Mitch McConnell? And yeah. what, is, what does he do? Agree. The, yeah. the Republican Party in 2016, 2016 and 2018 had the ability to do stuff. Trump got in 2017. They could have made some moves. Yep. The, we, we knew the censorship issue was going to be a huge problem for all Republicans. They did literally nothing. nothing. And I'm like, uninspired. Lindsey Graham fist bumping Kamala Harris on the Senate floor. It's like yeah, uninspired. It's the same party. However, if people like you get elected— you know, right now, I think Marjorie Taylor Greene is like one of the only fighters. Yeah. Whether you like her or not, I'm, I'm not, yeah. you know, she's had a bunch of dumb stuff on Facebook at one point, but she pushes back. She fights in That's, very yeah. similar ways to many, like like the squad. She's, you know, yeah. bombastic. She's loud. Exactly. She pushes back. And so I'm not saying, you know, if, if Congress was entirely comprised of just a clones of Marjorie Taylor Greene, it would be a good thing. Right. But you need people who are not part of the establishment yep. who are going to vote against the stuff. There's, I look at the two parties and there's like, you know, after Tulsi Gabbard left, I'm not convinced as a good Democrat anymore. Yeah. And I disagree with her on some policy issues, but I, I think she was honest. She was honest. Yeah. She was trying. Yeah. And I look at the Republican Party and I'm like, maybe 10, 10 Republicans? Yeah, it's a handful. Need more. Yeah. And if you can get a lot more in, maybe in 2020, uh, 2022 there will be some significant changes. I bring this up because I'm thinking about what's going on in Portland. How do you get the FBI to actually deal with these people? Well, you need some political power. You do need The Republicans yeah. will yes. need to control the House, probably, and, and the Senate, ideally. Yeah. And not only that, you still have, to go, you still have the issue of, uh, of Biden, but then you can do more committee hearings. You can do committee subpoena power. Absolutely. But you'd also needed many of those Republicans to be populist, American first. Yeah. You know, act people who are not part of the establishment crony machine, people who actually want to see things improve. 
I do have a fear of encroaching authoritarianism, though. Mm-hmm. One of my fears is that Antifa has acted a fool so much, people will just say, get the feds and start ro- locking these people right, up. exactly. And then you get yeah. an equal and opposite reaction, which is still not a good thing. Yeah. I mean, it has to be done right. But I think if we treat them like a terrorist organization or like organized crime, go after the leaders, make an example out of some of the guys that are out there locking arms and enabling it, that a lot of it would just kind of go away. Because people don't want to, people don't want to get arrested and slapped with federal terrorism charges, right? You know, but then there does have to be a clear point where we bring the feds back, and I think we can also offensively use a lot of federal funding for these cities because Ted Wheeler, the mayor of Portland, he's let all this happen, and then Kate Brown, the governor, and then in Washington State, Jay Inslee, he's done the same thing of Seattle. I don't think those governors and mayors deserve a penny of federal taxpayer dollars. Like we send yeah. in the feds to clean up the Antifa, and after that, we're like, hey, until you guys start prosecuting criminals and you take care of all these rampant home homeless and drug issues and crime issues like you're just not getting any more money sorry yeah man if we called them terrorists if we like declared antifa it's terrorists would then like they're the mother of the leader of the antifa that he lives at her in her basement would she be implicated for terrorist charges no or? no no but you, st- you still get due process i mean it's still the the federal government and then you know the fbi and the u.s marshals going in and arresting and, and, him you know they still you, day, day in court you know what i find fascinating you know people genuinely don't believe antifa is real they don't they don't right. exist it's just, it's just an idea. Uh, but it's because they watch CNN. Right. They don't actually read the news. They don't know these things. And so they genuinely think Antifa isn't a real thing. Yep. And so I see these posts on Facebook all the time where they're like, it's a meme. Antifa just means anti-fascist. There's no Antifa group. It's not right. true. And then I'm like, here's a list of all the known Antifa affiliates. Yeah. Like Rose City Antifa in Portland. Literally yeah. a group with people, with leaders. With, with they, they have a website. You can sign up to join the group. The group exists. It's called yeah. Antifa. There's New York City Antifa. There's yep. like Salt Lake City or whatever. Yeah. They literally just call themselves City Antifa. Yeah. They exist. They cooperate with each other. They work. When there's like, if you're in between Seattle and Salt Lake City or whatever, they'll meet in the middle and both groups show up. Absolutely. But they say it's not a real thing. Right. And then what happens is you get these hearings where, and I don't, I don't understand where the Republicans are to push back on this stuff, or I don't know if they can do anything anyway, where they're like, the biggest threat in this country is white supremacy. White supremacy, yeah. Like, well, there's 10,000 of them. And that's why like, what's like the ADA, uh, no, no, I'm sorry, the ADL standard. Yeah. No, the ADL. There's like 10,000 people. Yeah. Yeah. How many how many active Antifa are there? Like substantially more. Oh, yeah. We've seen we've seen the protests across the country. There's a lot yep. of them. Now, the, the worst offenders are, are a lot less. Yeah. But mass protests for a year, riots, smashing up windows. Yeah. I think that's a much bigger threat. I suppose, though, when they're flying Black Lives Matter flags at our embassies, yeah. of course, to them, the biggest threat is white supremacy. White supremacy. Yeah. To regular I mean, Americans. And the left has no incentive to go after Antifa and BLM because they execute their, their political policy for them. And we saw that in lighting the cities on fire in the, the year that Trump was trying to get elected. And then right now, the way that they've jumped onto this whole Palestinian issue, like you see the whole Palestinian flag getting flown by Antifa. Yep. And that's all being done because Joe Biden is screwing up the Middle East. Like we gave money back to Iran. Iran gave money to Hamas. Boom, we got a war going again. But to run cover for that, just in the same way Antifa and BLM brings up all these racial issues to keep the working class distracted. Now we have Antifa saying, oh, it's all about Palestinian liberation now. That's part of the Black Lives Matter movement, like, to it's, run it's, distraction. It's tribalism. Yeah. That's all it is. Because I, 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 I went to... Um Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, Belfast. And they have the peace wall right yeah. from the Northern Ireland. Yeah. And on one side, it's Palestine. On one side, it's Israel. And I asked a local. I was like, why? Why? What's with the Israel-Palestine thing? And it's like, oh, you know, the the one side thinks they're oppressed. So they associate themselves with Palestine. Palestine the other side yeah. thinks that they're the you know natural rights. So they with Israel. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with with like Northern Ireland. And like, yeah, it's just just they, they identify. It's like leftist causes for one group, nationalist causes for the other yeah. group. And I'm like, that's all it is. Yep. This, you know, and that's where I think I think we're seeing a lot of that here, where people are getting into fights over Israel and Palestine. And I and I tell you, man, there's a lot of people. I hear them screaming like pro-Israel, screaming pro-Palestine, and I'm like, I don't understand. Like I'm hearing the same thing from both sides. I'm not here to equate. I'm just saying, man, people are really tribalistically involved in that conflict, yeah. and it's really hard to, to 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 figure out. Let's take super chats though. Okay. If you have not already. Give a little tap to that like button. Help support the show. Share the show with your friends. And thanks for being here on uh, Memorial Day. I know most of you probably just wanted to, you know, sit back with the grill, getting the burgers going, and, uh, you know, having your, your long weekend. <laughs> thanks, Kamala. But I guess she came out later. And, you know, it, what's funny about that is when Donald Trump was like, Happy Memorial Day, you know, yeah. to all of our brave men and women who served. Our economy is great. And the... And they were like, how dare Trump minimize, you know, minimize Memorial Day? And then Kamala Harris is like, enjoy the long weekend. Yeah. It's like, is that what it is? It makes me sad, actually, man. It's pretty sad. Yeah, I wish yeah. people were like, like, you know, we should have like something happen on the TV and yeah. people do an event and talk about like, yo, this is like serious stuff. But instead it's like, we're going to go drive to the beach yep. and grill burgers. Yeah. You know what, though? Um, it's, it's a double-edged sword, I suppose. It's the, it's the men and women who fought to defend this country that yeah. allow people to go have that long weekend and exactly. burgers on the, at the you, lake. You know? I, yeah. I would watch YouTube videos of um, like stories told by Vietnam veterans. Yeah. They'd yeah, come yeah. on for like an hour or 20 minutes sure. and give their, their first person account basically, yeah. or their, their, you hear their third person account of what they experienced. That's what you should do. If you want to remember. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Let's the read. horror people have experienced so that you can live this, this good life. That's right. Let's read some of these chats. We got Chad Randall. He says, Joe, what do you think of the greater Idaho plan? Is uh, it is the joining of most of Oregon to Idaho? Yeah, I mean, I understand why the majority of Oregon wants to leave Oregon. They want to they want to get away from all the the craziness in Portland. I think it should serve as a wake up call, really, to the the folks in power in Oregon. We have the same thing in Washington too. I mean, these urban centers are absolutely destroying their states. So I, I hope it wakes them up. And then, but also, you know, power to the people. If they want to align with Idaho, then God bless them. I hope it works for them. Yeah. Charles C. says, hi, Joe. Thank you for your service. Any advice to those thinking of joining the Army today? Yeah. Um, do your homework. Like, know exactly what job you want because recruiters, their their job is to put a body into the military, and there's a lot of great jobs in the military. So go in there with a game plan. Don't let the recruiter pick the job for you. They're like, you're going to be piloting spaceships. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then it's like you're in, like, a simulation room. It's like you're typing on a computer, and you're pressing go, and you're just wasting your time. Yep. Yeah, I, I hear a lot. Of, I've heard a lot of stories like that from people where it's like they, they describe it in the best way possible. Yeah. And then it's like the worst iteration of what it could be. Yep. You know, you're going to be going on adventures and it's like they just put you in a remote base somewhere. Yeah. It's like you're just sitting there. All right. Let's see. Bobby Bob says you and your uh, you and your quest have helped me find the spine to be extremely vocal on Facebook. I feel so much better. Those Good. who truly care about me stayed and those uh, and those are the people I want in my life. It's encouraged others to do the same. I'm hearing these conversations more. Awesome. Right it's, it's, it's partly sad, though. 
It is. I mean, think about it. You've got, you know, the average person has like 300 friends on Facebook. And you post, hey, man, I'm concerned about this. And half leave. Yeah. We're just polarizing ourselves. We are. And people people just don't have the ability to have discussions anymore. I mean, I grew up in Portland, like pretty liberal place. My parents were conservative. They used to just have discussions with their friends. And it wasn't like no friendships were ended. You yeah. Know? It's, yeah. Now it's now it's serious. Where we're at now, it's crazy. All right. John Wayne says April 2003 Task Force 120. Ring a bell, Joe? Yes, it does. Says, I was there with you, currently living in your district. You got my vote. All right, right on. Wow, cool stuff. Yeah, man. All right. Matthew Reckham says, I was in D.C. today, and in the metro station, I saw an ad to be ready to save a life, carry Narcan nasal spray. The opioid epidemic is out of control. What is that for real? That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Clay Chapman says, Joe, have you ever met John Stryker Meyer? I have only heard him on podcasts and read his books. Yeah. Legendary Vietnam uh, Special Forces guy. Oh, cool. Yeah. Here's a good one. Daddy Day says, Joe, are you pro-nuclear? Why or why not? Like pro-nuclear power? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely pro-nuclear power. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I mean, because that's just another way that we can have energy independence and energy security. And there's a lot of fear-mongering around it from environmental groups when it's actually the best carbon-free, carbon-neutral yep. energy source. It's ridiculous. Absolutely. You know, I, I worked for Greenpeace briefly. One of the things that made me kind of disillusioned with them, I was only there for a few months, was that they were like, nuclear power is bad. And then I, I looked to one of the founders of Greenpeace who was like, nuclear power is an excellent way to reduce carbon emissions and create high energy density. And I'm like, what, what, what's the, <laughs> what do you say? Yeah, like, I don't understand. And it just felt so political to me. Man, people like nuclear. AFI's Deep End says, Joe, what is stopping America First agenda from being powered by nuclear tech? I don't think anything is. I, I, st- I, yeah, I still want to be energy independent with our, with our oil, but yeah, nothing. Here we go. Seven Empire says, Joe, I'm a fellow refugee of Portland, Oregon, now over the river in Washougal. All right. XAF security forces. Regretfully and naively voted for JHB in 2020. You have my future vote. Thank you for your service. Awesome. Thank you. There you go. Brandon Youngquist says, Tim, I listen on Spotify. I work graveyard shift and can't listen live. I listen to every show later. Wanted to say I live well below my means and more people should adopt this lifestyle. And Trevor is the worst and I miss Luke. <laughs> I think we reconciled with Trevor, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think we back, apologized back because on. Trevor felt bad. Okay. And then he came back and we were like, you're all right, Trevor. <laughs> Much love. All right. W Couch 8 says, please ask your guest his thoughts on the Defense Department screening National Guard for political bias for the inauguration. Oh, yeah. So what's going on right now with the Defense Department and the whole ideological test is absolutely insane and very dangerous. So we're essentially making uh, our men and women in uniform take a ideological oath of allegiance, not to the not to the, the flag and the Constitution, but to the political party in power. So they've gone through and started looking at who was aligned of Trump, pro-Trump Facebook posts, all that type of stuff. And Gadsden and, flags. Yeah, Gadsden flags. It, it's just absolutely crazy. So and, and right now they've got all the commanders in the military running scared. So that's why you see so much like woke virtue signaling coming out of the uh, the prominent leaders in the military. Man, that, that 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 kind of stuff is creepy because they start reassigning people of certain ideologies. Yep. They're discouraging it, and yep. then you get a woke military, you know, yeah. and they'll do whatever the tribe, whatever the, the, the that's right know, the cult yeah. wants. Praetorian guard. Yeah, exactly. Yep. All right, E Honda four twenty says, "Hey Tim, I started my YouTube channel about two years ago, and I've been doing a weekly conspiracy podcast called." The Gay Frog Chat. <laughs> it's funny how many things talked about on that show come true in that time. Yeah, it's a weird time to be alive, man. It's a yeah. weird time to be alive. 
Anything about tech says, Joe, thank you for your service. What can I do as a civilian software engineer to serve and help serve our country? InfoSec, robotics, or what? Or is it not even a good idea to attempt to contribute under this administration? I understand, because what we just talked about with what's going on in the military, I understand the apprehension. I still really highly encourage people to serve in some capacity, especially in the tech sector. I mean, we're, we're fighting a very heavy tech cyber war right now, mainly yeah. against China. But I think pushing for cybersecurity is, is absolutely essential. I think people don't realize that you could arguably say we're in a new hot war with China because mm-hmm. of the cyber conflict that's yep. happening. I mean, yeah. Google got hacked a couple of years ago. Yeah. It was a very serious breach. Yeah. These things are... They breached the DOD. I mean, yeah. you know, wow. like, yeah, the, the whole uh, what are they, Office of Personnel Management League. I and mean, we they, just yeah. keep, keep going on. It's not a big deal. And yeah. Man, it's just scary stuff. All right. Mexican-American conservative says, Mr. Kent, we need you, bro. By the way, there are more conservatives out there than libs. They just shut our voices out on social media. It's all manipulation. Very true. We are the majority. Tim Bo says, hi, Tim and team. It's Tim. Hey, Tim. How's it going? Hello, Tim. Screw solar roads. There's a project to cover water canals with solar. Saves on evaporation and uses existing ah. infrastructure. Hey, Very cool. There you go. That makes sense. Interesting. Chemical X666 says, Joe, were you in Al-Assad in 2006? I was building camps for the Green Berets while I was in NMCB40. Here's a few bucks for a few rounds to remember all we lost. Raw Seabees. Right on. I was out there at that time, yeah. I, I, I didn't stay for very long, but yeah, we were in and out of Amber wow. Robinson. Yeah. It's kind of crazy how many people were like, were you here, were you here? Yeah. It's like, oh <laughs> yeah. man, yeah, I know that, you know. That's cool. All right. Viva Frey says, Godspeed, Joe. Keep on Hi. keeping on. What up, hey, Viva? Frey. Yeah. John V says, I never went to college and I'm going to cross right at 110K this year. Right now, I'm hauling 20 tons of food into big city that wants to eliminate the fuel I'm using to bring their food. Wow. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> I think that guy understands the economy better than lots of PhDs. It's like a bunch of dudes building a bridge and they're driving across it to bring food into the city and the Democrats are voting to chop the bridge down right. from underneath it. Yeah. All yep. right, man. All right, let's see where are we at. Not Locutus. Oh, good for you. Says, I live in your district, sir. From one veteran to another, you awesome. can expect my vote. Awesome. Right on. Thank you. Eric Miller says, add a little facial hair and grow your hair out, and Joe Kent could become Jon Snow. Vote Jon Snow to take on the woke walkers. I mean, white walkers. I actually had hair about as long as yours. Nice. Uh, for I, I didn't get a haircut for two and a half years after I got out of the military. Oh, so. wow. yeah. And then I cut it for the congressional. Right, <laughs> gotta know. look good. Yeah, the job interview, gotta get a tidy up. I don't know. Maybe up there it would have it played well. Yeah, it was 50-50. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I was like, like consultants were like, the hair works in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I definitely thought about it. Carry like a, a, an accent a saw with you and wear like a red flannel so yeah i'm a lumberjack (laughs) i live here (laughs) all right uh jonathan warner says first super chat my friend and brother who i served with for six years in the minnesota national guard committed suicide last year oh man today i remember joshua roland Lindsay and all my other fallen brothers and sisters sorry to hear it man yeah sorry Uh, but greatly appreciate you know everything that you guys have, have, have have done it's memorial day man people need to you know i i i say this i've been around the world You've been in much more serious places than I've been, but I've seen other countries. And I remember the first first country I ever went to outside of the U.S. It doesn't count. It's Canada, right? It doesn't really count. It's America right. Junior. Then I went to Spain, saw some conflict. It doesn't okay? Spain's a different country. And then I started going other places. I went to Brazil. I went to Turkey. Turkey was the next country I went to. 
And then I started to really realize, I'm like, man, America sure is awesome. America's pretty awesome. And I, I, I would come back after spending so much time hearing all these activists and all these leftists talk about what their problems with it were and like, you know, the feds and all the things they hated, which now they now love for some reason. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. I just remember, I think it was like after maybe like Morocco or Turkey or something, come back to the U.S. and I'm just like, oh, right. Like, oh, yeah. man. And then I walk up and they're like, what are you doing? I'm a journalist. And boy, am I glad back, glad to be back here. I'm going to go to Five Guys. I'm going to yeah, get a exactly. double bacon cheeseburger, <laughs> but both peanuts. Yep. Man, some of these places I've been to, scary stuff. If yeah. you want to live through this stuff, we, we yeah. really have something special here. It really changes your perspective. I, I think getting outside the country and getting into a, a rougher part of the world, like you can come back to America and you're like, yeah. wow, well, a lot we, of places. We got it. And it's not just that, too. It's like even going to like Scandinavia. Not just Sweden. I've been to Norway, and the ideological homogeneity is also freaky. Yeah. It's like everybody agrees with everything, and it's like just kind of weird. It's like I mm-hmm. like in America that some guy can just, you know, you can see a house with a Trump flag and a house with a BLM flag next to it. Yeah. I actually, I'm like, that's rad. Like, that is good. Now, I don't, yeah. don't fight, but <laughs> right, I think right. it's funny that people, yeah. you know, we have this, although it is getting a bit extreme. It is, yeah. All right, let's see where, we, where, where, where we're at. Matterhorn V says we were misled being told we needed college in the 90s and uh, uh, and the aughts, um, the oddies, is that what it's called? Individuals need higher education. The modern world will survive with less English majors, but it won't survive without electricians. Right. Well, you know, when the market corrects, exactly. I suppose, they start paying electricians more, which they probably already do, actually. Yeah, yeah, because it's hard, <laughs> it's hard to get people to come work on your, your place. You know, this is one of the problems is that people get a degree in like, you know, feminist dance mm-hmm. and then they're like why can't i get a job yeah. electricians are getting paid well yeah just go get an apprenticeship yep but they don't understand so they demand the government regulated exactly for them. brother uh brother bro vet says three hundred fifty thousand vietnam vets were killed by agent orange if mm-hmm. the va didn't hide this number would americans still tolerate the abuse and corruption in the pentagon and permanent political class today i mean they know now right is they that, know now. Is that number yeah. accurate I'm not super familiar. I'm not sure if that number is 100% accurate. I'm, I'm, I'm not high. questioning him. It does sound a bit high. But, yeah, yeah, there's definitely been a good deal of covering up of Agent Orange, and now we're yep. living through our own crisis of the suicides and the burn pits. And like all that. Um, depleted uranium, I heard that the rounds used yeah. in the first Iraq War in 93 were, like, yep. radioactive. So there's all that all those bullets in the dust, basically. Yeah. Because the, the, the tanks would have depleted uranium armor, so yep. you needed depleted uranium rounds to penetrate yep. the, the armor. So then all, just all this radiation has caused what they called Gulf War Gulf War syndrome. Yeah. syndrome. Yep. Matthew Recamp says, if the infrastructure bill was only going towards infrastructure, we'd be able to put routers in a tunnel to get internet access in our subways. Mm-hmm. That's always been crazy to me. Some subways have it. Some yeah. do, yeah. Yeah. Navasa says each altcoin aims to solve a different problem in the economy. Bitcoin can be the gold standard equivalent, but VeChain covers supply logistics, etc. Hmm. Sure, a, a lot of people are always mentioning their particular altcoins, the ones they like, and a lot of these aren't decentralized. Yeah, like Ethereum runs on you know Amazon services, so it's more like a company's. It's a company token, you know. Yeah. So I think there's decent investments in a lot of them in a certain way. That's why I love crypto technology. Bitcoin is truly decentralized. Austin Brown says. This is why crypto is the future, and Elon doesn't make sense. He knows it is the future. You invent Tesla and SpaceX without knowing crypto is the next real deal. All these different, all all these different people, a disparaging term, will turn into one, two, five, ten, fifty, one hundred. It will be everyday. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, cryptos. Okay, will turn into you know one, five, ten, twenty. Is that is that what you're saying? Will be everyday uh, use. Yes, sir. Yeah. I think Dogecoin actually does has a good good potential to be used as like cash. It's 2% inflationary, people were, t- were telling me. 
every year goes up by two. The supply is two percent increase, and it's a really fast and efficient exchange. Hmm. So it actually could work if they get some developers on it and make the the the, uh, the system more robust. You could actually just swipe it. Boom, Doge is the is the cash. People tried making Bitcoin Cash be the cash to Bitcoin's yeah. gold, and like might be Dogecoin. Yeah, it's got meme potential. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. AP says hi. I really enjoy your videos and guests. I am transferring to UC Berkeley, and I was wondering if you had any advice to deal with CRT. Also, do you all have opinions on right to repair, e.g. Apple products? I think you should have a right to repair. As for critical race theory, um, you know, I don't think arguing with people who have uh, the opposite of, of your moral framework will work. People seem to think, you know, like we, we, we hear Antifa doesn't exist. Yeah. I see it all the time. There's a guy who's like, you know, posting on Twitter. It's a viral tweet. Like, you know, and, and I'm like... You're not going to convince them. How are you going to argue that? Yeah. You, they, they know they're lying. Yeah. Because their moral framework is different from yours. You believe I should be honest to the best of my abilities. They believe there's no truth but power. Yeah. So how do you argue with that? You can use the uh, Alinsky rules for radicals and make them live up to their own standards. Hmm. So if you are uh, – I mean, actually, I don't think your race matters because there's a bunch of you know white progressives who are engaging in this. The way I always say, say is like, look. If anyone ever tries to call you into a meeting on diversity or whatever, the moment they mention white anything, get mad and say, I'm sorry, is this a meeting on, on white people? Like, are we seriously going to bring yeah. everybody in here to talk about white people again? Are you a white supremacist? Yeah. Use their own logic against them. Right. If you're having a meeting and they bring in a bunch of minorities and start talking about white people, sounds to me like they're trying to <laughs> yeah. have a meeting for white people. You know what yeah. I mean? So there you go. Yeah. Right sounds kind of racist. And then if they don't, you can accuse them of ignoring white supremacy. So no matter what they do, that's the point of their yeah. ideology. To wield power against anyone who opposes them, you can do the same thing. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not entirely convinced that's the right way to do it, but yeah. maybe fighting fire with fire works when it's a controlled burn. I would just say not giving your money to University of Southern California, Berkeley, yeah, or wherever they're going. Yeah, why are you going <laughs> yeah. to Berkeley anyway? You might, you might want to go to Liberty University or, or Hillsdale. A lot I'll, of better I'll, places, too. I'll give, you, I'll give you some advice. My advice is um, you shouldn't go there because what will happen is – you're eventually going to get a professor who's going to say, I want you, you know, everyone needs to wa- wa- write a paper on why white people are bad. Yeah. And then when you're like, they're not, they fail you. Yeah. And then you just spend money for nothing. Yep. So why go at all? Why not just go start a business? Like, I guess people on the left don't want to do this, but I, I play guitar on the subway. I just started doing my thing. So, yeah. You know, make stuff and sell stuff. I yeah, for a while. absolutely. I made CDs once, played shows and then sold the CDs. We're not in the era of CDs anymore. Yeah. But, you know, you can put music up somewhere, record it with... It's so easy to record music these days. Yeah. You're not going to get massive studio Hollywood, you know, whatever production, but or Nashville production, I guess that's the music place. But you can record stuff with your phone. You can get apps to help you make it better. Yeah. All right. Jimmy Kinto says, I was hired to bring back a dying business from a guy who has an MBA and couldn't make it work. I did, and I asked for a raise and was denied because I didn't have a college education. You quit. That's it. Yeah. I worked for a company once, and they were like, we want to give you a promotion, but you need a college degree. And I was like, I can quit right now. And they were like, uh, hold on. And then the regional director was like, degree or nothing. I said, adios. Yeah. And they were like, Ugh. 
I'm like, I don't need to work for your company. But I got, I got hired at a company that required a college degree. It was really simple. You know what I did? I went to the interview and they were like, it's a, I had college listed on my resume because I went for like a month. Yeah. And they were like, so did you graduate? I was like, oh, no, I, I didn't graduate. And they're like, well, this, this job requires a college degree. And I was like, I, I understand. Yeah. And they're like, but you don't have one. And I was like, no. But if you want to hire the person who's best for the job, well, then clearly you'll hire me as my resume clearly shows. I've got the uh, requisite experiment, experience. But if you want to hire someone with no experience at all, fresh out of college, by all means, you can do so with my blessing. I don't need to work for you. And they were like, no, 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 you're hired. <laughs> yeah, they were like. I, he sold it. Nice. I, I'm like, dude, if you're not smart enough yeah. to see that I'm better at this job and my experience is yeah. better than any college degree, I shouldn't work. I wouldn't want to work for your company yeah. anyway. Exactly. And when I was in L.A., my agent uh, was trying to get me booked for union gigs. I was non-union. And, you know, in order to have to do a union show, you have to be in the union. They really like right. that. Or that your first job is a union show. They'll give you your card and you can join the union. So he, my agents and most agents would say, just put that you're in the union on your resume. And then when you get in there, if they like you, they'll hire you. It doesn't yep. matter. And that's what happened. And then, you get your, and then after, what, three times you get your union they were card? Like, yeah. No, the first time. They saw it and they were like, well, you can defer your first one. And then they were like, oh, you're not in the union? And they just stamp it and put them in the union. <laughs> put them in the union. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Brian Fontenot says, no concern for quantum computing breaking standard encryption overnight or to say kill crypto overnight? There is. Uh, absolutely. And by certain standards, by, by certain new, news stories, they might already have the technology to break it. However, there's, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of experts about this, and they say there's always the option of a hard fork. There's always developers, and decent, the, the decentralized network can yeah. always repair any crypto that if quantum computing breaks it, then we'll have to, the system has to be robust beyond just one pitfall. If quantum computing can break it, well, that's a problem. But there's a lot of things that could probably break it. 51% attacks are a big threat. And the market cap for crypt for Bitcoin isn't that high, so they could have done it a long time ago. We don't know. However, I think most people, there's different countries, there's different financial interests, all the vested interest in preventing the system from yeah. breaking because they've got too much wealth tied up in it. So that's why the more these companies invest, the more confident I get in it. Because mm -hmm. do I think you know Goldman Sachs is planning on losing money in their crypto investment? Yeah, exactly. I don't. I think they're playing on making money. And they build, you'd build in redundancy of the system so one hack doesn't take down the, the whole thing. Quantum computing can break standard encryption, which yeah. would unravel the, the blockchain, allow for pure manipulation. Yeah. But I was talking to some crypto experts who explained to me why they weren't concerned with that at all. Hmm. They were like, I can't remember, I, I, I'm not an expert and I couldn't explain. But I used to, that used to be a big concern for me. I was like, I don't know, man. You know, I probably would have bought way more Bitcoin back in the day. But all the stories about quantum supremacy, these, you know, Google has got yeah. a quantum computer with like a ridiculous amount of qubits. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to get involved in something that could be overdone by new technology. And then I had a bunch of crypto experts like explain to me why it wasn't a concern. And then I was <laughs> like, I don't know exactly what you're saying. So I'm not a crypto guy, but, uh, you know, like I'm not a cryptographer. But if the experts, you know, that I know and trust are, are convinced it's safe. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's all you can really do, right? I don't know why I would have confidence in the dollar. I was just going to say that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How much how, how much? how much more uh, shaky is that than the dollar? The U.S. government has guns, I guess. But I guess, yeah. China and Russia have guns, too. Right. Frank Skula says, Hey, Tim and gang, how are your live events going to work? How much notice will people have and what kind of experience can one expect? Would I have enough time to drive from Texas to where you guys are at? Give me details. In all likelihood, the answer is yes. We'll probably do the announcement a week in advance. So like on a Monday, I don't want to say exactly on a Monday, so I won't know for sure because I don't want people just sitting there spamming refresh to try and get tickets first come first serve. But, you know, you'll get at least a week's notice 
that like, hey, this Friday event tickets are up. And then we're going to do first come first serve tickets. Then we're going to do auction based tickets. And so we try to balance it so that the people who are active and see the email notification or whatever will just right away be like, I want a ticket. We don't have a big capacity. Like this is a small space. So we probably can only get like 30 people and that might be pushing it. So then the other idea is the auction based system so that if you're busy working and you have the resources, you can be like, okay, I'll, I'll spend X, my max on a ticket and you might be in the top 15 and you might get it. Although some people might spend a ridiculous amount of money. And I mean, it's just, we, we couldn't do just one or the other. You know, we had to try to make it balanced so that everyone gets an opportunity considering there's limited space, but we're working it out. We want to do this in February. We had to wait because of standard legal business stuff we have to fill out and paperwork and COVID made everything not happen. Like you can't get paperwork done. It is ridiculous. It's starting to reopen. So we're hoping soon we'll be able to do the live event. So it's it's like legit. I was like February. It's like March. We're going to do the event. And then it was like, here's the paperwork you need nope. to do it. It's like, okay, well, I don't have that. <laughs> Can we get this done? It's like, well, the, the offices aren't open because of COVID. It's like, oh, okay. Well, that's lame. We'll, 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 we'll get to it, though. We'll get to it. All right. Mr. Full Metal Tal Gap, Full Metal Gats says, Hey, Tim and gang, awesome show tonight. Can you let Joe know that there, there are Chinese military soldiers at Fort Jackson with NIPR accounts? Hmm. Nipper accounts? Nipper, what is that? Yeah. It's the unclassified government system. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm not sure crazy. why there would be Chinese soldiers there. That's mm. kind of crazy. Does that sound real? Like, possible? No, I, I mean, we don't do military exchanges with the Chinese that I know of. I mean, we have countries that we're friendly with we'll bring over and they'll get access to some computer systems, but I certainly hope it's not the Chinese. Yeah. I heard that they were like in Canada or something. They were doing drills or... I, th- I believe they have done drills with the, with the Canadians. I, yeah. Like mostly just exchanges, ceremonial stuff. I don't think they were actually doing military yeah. maneuvers. All right. Let's see. Whoop. It just jumped on me. I love when that happens. You get a big flood of super chats right away. Where are we at? Here we go. Magnificent Devil says, hey, Tim, big fan. Wanted to clear up something. Most mature crypto is decentralized, not just Bitcoin. The dev project doesn't control the blockchain. The miners or validators in proof of stake do. But what I mean is like Ethereum is on Amazon Web Services, say on AWS, which means Amazon could be like, bye-bye, Ethereum, boop, gone. Right. All right, let's see. The ghost of Teddy Roosevelt says, bully for you, Mr. Kent. Maybe it's time to bring back the bull moose party. Yeah, there you go. We got endorsed by the, or I got endorsed by the Bull Moose Project. Oh, right. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Jay Bond says, moved to South Korea to pay off 110K, I'm sorry, 100K college debt. My wife married me knowing the amount. Now we are debt free with two kids and finally moving home. Awesome. Well, there wow. you go. Nice. Well right done. On. Making it happen. Cal Ratch says, stayed the weekend in San Francisco and the poop thing is definitely real. Oh, yeah. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. Just everywhere. Just so many beautiful cities have just been absolutely destroyed. Yeah. Like San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, just. Dude, yeah. San Francisco is one of the worst places I've ever been to. Yeah, yeah. but it's, it, it could be beautiful. It was in like the early right. 2000s. It was beautiful. I was there. Uh, I, I did a few guest spots for Discovery. Yeah. So uh, we did like some, some segments on like nuclear weapons and stuff. And one day before I'm going in, I went to a taco, a Mexican place, to get food. And I've got, like, a hoodie on in my backpack with my computer in it. So I'm going to do work. And they completely ignored me. And so I'm just standing there, like, watching the servers walk past me. And I'm, like, standing here. So finally, I'm like, okay. And I just walk up into the restaurant. I'm standing there. And a woman goes, do you need something? And I went, uh, yeah, food. And she went, oh, oh, um, yeah, yeah, just have a seat. 
So I'm like, did they think I was like a homeless guy? <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. Probably. Yeah. I mean, you know, I probably looked like a homeless guy. Yeah. But wow, what, what, uh, that's a crazy experience. I go to New York. You know, oh, when yeah. I was working out in New York, I went to, I can't remember the steakhouse. It's in the Columbus Circle. It's like really expensive. And I'm wearing the same thing. And they're like, right this way, sir. And they're like, <laughs> they don't care. They're like, you have money? By all means, come on in. Yeah. They don't care. In San Francisco, they must not tolerate it. They just don't, yeah. you know. All right. William Hornoff says, greetings, Tim. You, uh, greetings all, Tim. You often use the phrase, don't attribute to malice what can be attributed to stupidity. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, uh, don't attribute to malice that which can be explained by incompetence. And have to disagree. Stupidity implies a lack of choice, ignorance. The left and those aligned uh, actively choose to be malicious. Thoughts? So, uh, Hanlon's razor is never attribute to malice that which can be explained by incompetence. So, not necessarily stupidity, lack of ability, lack of, you know, function, but, uh, it's not always, you know, sometimes people are malicious. Yeah. So you're talking about Antifa and people on the far left and all that stuff. They're malicious. Yes. Yeah. They're not all incompetent. <laughs> right. A lot of Democrats are incompetent. Yes. A lot of Republicans are too, to be oh, fair. Oh, yeah. So. All right. Colin Sanders says, hey, Joe, Intel POG here. I always liked working with SF better than the Rangers and the Seals. You guys can actually chill. Have a beer. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> can you confirm. Go. All right. Troy Dingman says, I wish my local government would have had a flyover for the fallen today with a bunch of aircraft from different generations. That would have been nice. That sounds really cool. Actually. cool. Yeah. All right. Where are we at? Some people are. Kiabo uh... <laughs> Bandit says, Joe Biden is not my president. Hillary is. And she was the greatest president we've ever had. <laughs> there you go. I mean, the timelines. <laughs> a dead ender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's see. S, uh, SD Kakarok says, just tuned in. So didn't hear the details of this stream. Spent 2005 in IED Alley of West Baghdad in 0708 near some Green Berets in the Sunni Triangle. Joe seems like a pretty solid dude. Much respect. Thank you. There you go. I was in the, those areas as well. Go 7-ish. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is a really important question. GG Player says, Tim, I'm trying to grow a beard, but when I put my head on a pillow, it feels so itchy. Any advice? I'm, I don't know. I don't know. You get I, used to I, it? Yeah, I don't know. I guess no. lay on your back. <laughs> it's just needed. Yeah, <laughs> lay, put your head on the back of the pillow. Eat less salt. There you go. I think, it, I think it gets softer if you don't eat a lot of huh. salt. Hmm. Maybe. Put a, uh, pe- put, put, wrap. No, I was going to make a joke. I'm not going to do it because people will take it seriously. <laughs> I was going to say, take plastic wrap and. No. Nope. Oh, no. <laughs> YouTube's going to be like, that was serious. That We're was you. <laughs> nope. No, no, no. All right, let's see. Fiona is my B. Osdem Soldate says, Mr. Kent, I am a Navy vet and Hood River native currently residing in Vantucky and Baffle. Oh, right I on. cannot wait to volunteer for your campaign. Bless you and yours. Excellent. Thank you. Right on. Looking forward to it. Very cool. Uh, Gigi Player then asked again about his itchy beard. Sorry, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> tell you, man. Coconut oil. All right, we'll just do, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll do a good. couple more here. Hot Dog 400 says, maybe 10 years from now, your basic phone will be more powerful than the quantum computers today. Ten years from now, Five I'm not years. entirely convinced. I, I don't I don't know where we're at with quantum computing, but it needs like super freezing temperatures, I think, to operate. So, yeah. but you know, we'll see. I think technology advances. All right, let's see. Ooh, whoa, what's this? Skylar Tucker says, "World's largest meat processor, JBS, just got hit with a cyber attack like Colonial Pipeline. Look oh. into it, please. A meat processor, you say? Hmm. What a strange thing. So the Federal Reserve got nailed, then a pipeline, now a meat processor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well." All right, we'll do one more. We got 
Let's see. Dak Daniel says, I lived in SF but moved to South Bay. There are needles everywhere. Everyone I know yeah. has stepped in poop. And I've been chased down Main Street a few times with people high off whatever they were on. LOL. LOL. What a response. Yeah. Wow. He's, he's patient. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, my friends. This has been a, a great Memorial Day with all you guys hanging out watching. So thanks for being here. You know, a lot of people are probably chilling, but hey, good for you. It's America. And just never forget the people who sacrificed so that you could have your long weekend and chill. So smash that like button. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel. Hit, uh, did I say hit the like button? I did. Hit it again. No, wait. Don't hit it twice. Wait. Hit it <laughs> once or three times, but not twice. You can follow the show, facebook.com slash timcastirl, and share our video clips there. And on Instagram, at uh, timcastirl. You can follow me personally, at timcast. We're live Monday to Friday at 8 p.m. We'll be back tomorrow. Is there anything you wanted to mention specifically, uh, of your campaign website or yeah, absolutely. contributions? Or yeah, if people want to support us, uh, they can go to joekentforcongress.com. They can read about all my stances on the issues there. Link tree to all my social media is on there as well. And if they can, I'd really appreciate a donation. So I'm up against the Republican establishment dollars and the Democrat establishment dollars. So fighting for the America First agenda. So anything they can contribute, I'd really appreciate. I put up uh, 200000 of my own dollars into my campaign just to kind of put my money where my mouth is. So wow. five. Ten fifteen dollars will help me help help take this country back. So right really on, man. Best of luck. Nice. Yeah, thank uh, you. You can also follow me at IanCrossland.net and at IanCrossland across all social media. Thank you guys so much for coming. I was listening to Ben Shapiro talk about some of these heroes, these stories. These guys did incredible things, and I'm so happy to have an actual veteran with us here on Memorial Day. Thank and you guys you. can follow me on Twitter at Sarah Patch Lidge as I attempt to surpass Sarah Patch Kids in followers. <laughs> We will see all of you over at TimCast.com for an exclusive bonus segment. So make sure you go there and sign up, become a member, help support our work. And thanks for hanging out. We'll see you all there. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.